Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter my take all one word in the promo box and you'll be eligible to win $100 courtesy of my take radio and Stitcher. MTR live starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? Welcome to My Take Radio, episode 174, for Thursday, February 21st, 2013. Our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. My Take Radio is being simulcast on the Mixler network, and you can listen to that by heading over to mytakeradio.com and clicking the Listen tab. You can also use our call-in number and not hit option one and listen to the show on your telephone or speakerphone device. So those are some of the options you can listen to tonight's broadcast. Archived episodes will be available on blogtalkradio.com, Mixler, iTunes, and a ton of other networks later on this evening. All right, so we got a lot to talk about this week. Obviously, we got the PlayStation 4 announcement. We have Elimination Chamber, Raw, Impact, this week's MMA news, and a ton of other stuff. But before we get into that, just wanted to get into some of the housekeeping to get out of the way for this week. Um, first off, got to acknowledge our hardworking staff. There's been a lot of great content on MyTakeRadio.com this week, including Slick's review of The Legend of Zelda Hyrule Historia. In addition to that, we debuted a brand new column called Rebooked, which is going to be some of your favorite wrestling superstars reimagined, redeemed, and above all else, rebooked. That is not going to be limited just to me. I'm actually opening that up to other members of the MTR staff to rebook some of their favorite superstars, whether they are existing, independent, etc. Those guys are going to get acknowledged. I started off with one of my favorites, Jushin Thunder Liger, and he actually was the first for rebooked. So we're going to be doing that probably every week or probably a couple of times a month. We're still going to work out a schedule for that, and that's going to be one of the new features going forward. As always, MTR is looking for, always looking for great talent to add to its roster, whether it's full-time writers or guest post writers. We always welcome content from anybody out there. We have a sign-up form on MyTakeRadio.com you can use. 
if you're interested in submitting a guest post. And if you'd like to write full-time, you can fill out the application on the site as well. Right now, primarily, I need writers for our comic section to kind of help round that out a little bit. I also need uh, another set of hands for the gaming section and also one, another set of hands for TV. Everything else is covered. I mean, if you want to try for MMA and anything else, by all means, make sure to specify that in the application and make sure to include a writing sample or at least links to where we can see some of your previous work. Also, got to talk about some of the enhancements on our fan page thus far that some of them I had to clean up. Obviously, the Mixler uh, plugin that Facebook used to allow on the fan page was removed by Facebook. Why? I don't know. I don't know if it's an issue between them and Mixler or if it was a Mixler call, but I actually dropped them an email to see what was going on, and I'm waiting to hear back from them with regards to that. But the way I see it, I think that we're in that unique situation where, you know, even even if it's not accessible on our Facebook fan page, you can still hear it on our website. So that's one of the things that I'm very happy about. Also, great feedback from our Stitcher listeners with regards to some of the stuff we are offering them and just the accessibility of the show that way. I've also heard from a couple of our listeners that are using Windows Mobile that are they are accessing the uh, show via you know various podcast applications that are available on Windows Mobile, so that makes me very happy. I'm actually glad to hear that Windows Mobile owners are able to enjoy the show as well. Slick actually told me that the tests for my take radio on xbox live have been i think the way it works is if the show's already broadcasting um not initially but if it's a few minutes in you can listen to it via your xbox again i haven't tested that but what i've been doing is i've been putting the episodes on youtube so if you are subscribed to my take radio tv on youtube you can actually listen to the episodes via the youtube app on your xbox or playstation 3 so just a couple of things that we're, we're trying to get out there to get people to access the show from multiple outlets. It's still a work in progress, as always. Uh, regarding Blog Talk Radio, I actually got an email from them to give them a call and discuss the issues that we've been having, which I hopefully will be doing tomorrow, and we can address some of those issues because they are numerous. As always, we're always looking for ways to kind of move away from the BTR format, but... For the call-in portion of our show, it's probably one of the high points and one of the benefits of using their service, minus a couple of hiccups, which it's to be expected. But nonetheless, it's something that, for me personally, I think it, it's something that's just going to require a lot of working with them to help them fine-tune the system going forward. Um, get glue check-ins, like I said, they're always appreciated, and we're still trying to work out something to get some stickers or something done it's a, it's a work in progress right now, but eventually we will figure out the magic formula of what they're looking for, and we can get some stickers done. Uh, you can always pick up our MTR t-shirts by heading over to the t-shirt, uh, the MTR store tab, and going there, and you can pick up some t-shirts and hoodies. I actually had been meaning to put up the Brawling for Boobies t-shirt, because a couple of people were asking me about it. I hadn't gotten around to it, but that should be up hopefully this weekend. You can pick up a Brawling for Boobies t-shirt or a Brawling for Boobies hoodie. If you uh, just want to support the event going forward, you can pick up that stuff on the su- on the shop once it's put up. Probably it should be up no later than Saturday. All right, so 
Tonight, we're going to be joined by Hip Hop Gamer. He should be calling in at 1130. Uh, lots to discuss with regards to the PlayStation 4 announcement yesterday. And also, I just want to talk about uh, some of the things he's been doing since we last spoke and, and he was on the show, including the creation of Hip Hop Gamer Inc., his work with EGM, his issue with the Annoyed Gamer, which was something that happened this week, which was uh, he released a, a very good video. I think it, it was probably one of his best videos because it was it kind of stripped away the persona of Hip Hop Gamer and just acknowledged the individual. I want to talk with him at length about that. Also about just the game industry in general. And of course, we all know he's definitely going to have lots to say about the PlayStation 4. He should be calling in at 1130. If you guys are interested in talking to him, you can always call in 347-324-3541. And we'll try and get some of your questions on air. If you're in the chat, you can also throw your questions in the chat. And I will try and ask those as well. Also tonight, like I said, we'll be talking about the Elimination Chamber. We're going to be talking a little bit about... WWE Raw, TNA Impact, uh, the Jack Swagger situation, which I want to discuss at length. We also got your gaming news. We got some really great entertainment news for this week. And I actually want to get into some small screen stuff that came across my desk. So hopefully everything should be able to be squeezed into the three-hour broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. As always, if we do happen to go into overtime, you'll be able to listen to the live show via Mixler you just won't be able to do the chat in Block Talk Radio due to them cutting us off at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So please make a note of that. If we do go into overtime, you'll be able to listen to the show via Mixler. Just go to MyTakeRadio.com and click the Listen tab, and you'll be able to do it that way and listen to the show in overtime. Otherwise, you can pick up the archives on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, uh, MyTakeRadio.com as well if you're subscribed via RSS. Uh, Zoom podcasts and all your other regular pod catchers. One thing, just a quick reminder: if you are getting the show via iTunes, please take a moment and rate the show. We would really, really appreciate it. Anyway, a couple of things happened this week that I just wanted to to touch on a little bit, and um, it's it's very interesting because I went into the local GameStop by my office, and the funny thing about GameStop is you guys know and it's a running gag i have a love-hate relationship with those guys uh, in the sense that sometimes we just i run into a couple of bad apples and occasionally there's a couple of of really great individuals i know that work at certain game stops that i'm not going to name by name obviously but they know who they are anyway so we were we i was in there on my lunch break and i was talking to one of the guys there and he asked if i was going to pre-order the PlayStation 4. Mind you, I was in that GameStop Monday. So, the announcement wasn't made till Wednesday. So, I was like, eh, you know, depending on how it, how it, how it comes out, what's going to be done, we'll, we'll see what I'm going to do. The subject of backwards compatibility is is very intriguing to me, etc., etc., etc. So, the guy was like, yeah, well, you know, if, if what I'm hearing is true about the used games, it's going to be a really big problem, and we're not going to support it because, you know, it's cutting into our bottom line. And it was just a, a very interesting conversation because this guy wasn't a regular guy that I know at GameStop. But I had to I had to kind of correct him because I said to him, I'm like, listen, the developers don't make any money from used games. You, Your company does. And the biggest problem here is that 
the developers are getting shafted because they're making all the money. You guys are making all the money. A guy buys a $60 game, finishes it in a week, and you guys at most offer him 20 bucks. Sometimes 30, but most times it's 15 or 20. Then you proceed to sell the game for 54.99, which is all profit for you guys. And he's like, "Yeah, but you know, if you're going to buy the game and beat it in a week, you know, how much do you expect to get back?" And my my answer was very simple, and I said, "I expect to at minimum get back half." Half or between 40, 30 and 40 bucks, especially if the game isn't a game that requires any sort of online pass if you're reselling it. If it's a single-player campaign game and, and I beat it within five days or seven days and I bring it back, at minimum, you should give me the opportunity to get half. And, and we were, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a conversation that was filled with any discord. I just felt that, and I didn't say what I did until afterwards. I said to him, like, listen, as a consumer... I don't mind coming in here and shelling out money. I just don't like being strong-armed by your representatives, whether it's to pre-order, whether it's to do this or do that. The fact is that no is no. And if I don't want to pre-order something or I don't want to do this or I don't want to buy your replacement plan or I don't want to sign up for your power-up card, I should say no once, and that should be it. Cause, and, and he goes, yeah, but you got to understand, you know, this is something that we have to do and, it, you know, it, it affects us as well. And I told him, I'm like, listen... I understand you have to do it, but you shouldn't strong-arm a customer into doing it. If they say no, it's no. And I, and I explained to him the situations where I've come in and I've bought a game that I didn't pre-order, and the guy gave me the third degree, like, oh, you know, you're lucky you were, you were we still had some, or blah, blah, blah. And, and it was just uh, one of probably one of the most interesting conversations I've had with a GameStop employee because he, he, he definitely was corporate, and he was for the company, but he did acknowledge a lot of the shortcomings, and I told him, I'm like, you know, don't you think it's a little disheartening that you spend your hard-earned money on a game, sell it back with the intention of possibly spending more money in the store, and a lot of the times you guys just nickel and dime the shit out of people for all this stuff, and then you have the audacity to sell a game at $5 cheaper than when buying it new, and he's like, yeah, well, you know, our price points definitely could use a little work. And I told him, I'm like, that's one of the main reasons why I try not to give you guys money. I'd rather buy the game brand new from Best Buy or brand new from Target than buy it from you guys because I know at the end of the day, there's no residual value in dealing with you guys after the initial purchase. And he's like, yeah, but you know, we're, we're trying to soften our stance and we're trying to work and, and give people better and, and fairer pricing. And I, and I was explaining to him that they're doing that at the expense of getting them to sign up for, you know, power-up rewards or whatever shit they're shilling that month, it's not a, a simple give-and-take. I would like a transaction, and I said this verbatim. I said, I'd like to buy a game, and I'd like the window uh, of receiving half half the value of the game to be within the first seven days. It, it, within the first seven to ten days, if you beat a game, you should be entitled to receive at minimum half. Obviously, certain games will be ex excluded from that, etc., etc., sports games, whatever. But I said the business model should allow you to get half at minimum. Even if you say I get 35 and I'll get 40, 45 on, on trade with if I take a game on the spot. That way, everybody wins. Even if you want to throw in an extra 5 bucks for the publisher or whatever the case may be, it becomes something where... 
the you end up growing the relationship beyond the initial purchase. Sometimes it's it's more about the experience than anything else. Sometimes I'll shop at a store where I may pay a premium for something just because I enjoy the service. And Slick can attest to this. There's a there's a place I go to, a, a mom and pop game store in a neighborhood here in, in, in Queens that, you know, they, they tend to break street date for some stuff. I'm not going to name them, but one of the reasons why sometimes I don't mind going in there and paying the extra for a game that breaks street date or a Blu-ray that break, that breaks street date is because I walk in, there's always that, that, that friendly exchange, they know me, and not only that, but if I walk in there or I call them and I say, hey, you know, this is Rich, can you do me a favor and put a copy of this on the side for me? They'll be like, sure, no problem, just make sure you pick it up today, etc. And there's that, there's that rapport, there's that great relationship, and above all else, there's there's a, a a loyalty to the consumer in the sense that if I went and I bought a game and the following month I went and bought two other games, the guy says, listen, you know, pay me cash and you could just pay me the flat price and whatever. Whatever those arrangements are, those are arrangements that you get to continue the relationship past, you know, j- just the, the, the initial purchase. And I think that's something that GameStop severely lacks. And... That's not to say that Best Buy or Target or any of the other, of these other guys do it better, but I just think that that little extra that little extra bit of service really really can speak volumes towards a consumer and make them come back. I know um, a friend of mine. He he he's an entrepreneur. He has his own business and he deals with some local businesses. And sometimes they come in there and they're like, hey, you know. We want to buy X, Y, and Z, and he goes, all right, you know, and I'll get, and he gives them a break, and then he'll go to their stores as as a merchant, and sometimes they don't give him a break on the stuff, and he he, you know, we were talking about it, and he said it, he was like, look, man, you know, I do the courtesy, I do the right thing, you know, for my fellow for my fellow business owners, and I think that the same courtesy should be extended, and it's true, I think that especially for your longtime customers or your loyal customers, it shouldn't be about ripping their pockets out and unfortunately GameStop doesn't do that they 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 make sure to to buy your loyalty by forcing you to use their power up rewards program or whatever rubbish they're trying to shill i mean that's not to say that any any of these other stores programs are better but at least if you go to best buy and you sign up for the reward zone and you sign up for it you know free of charge you sign up for the free tier and you get a couple of points Boom, you'll get a certificate, you'll save five bucks. You walk in there, you save five bucks. But with GameStop, it's just sometimes the relate the 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 purchase experiences sours you from doing any continued business with them. So I just wanted to share that with you guys, primarily because it was a, it was a, a crazy conversation and I, I actually I think I think the guy me and the guy spoke at length for about I'd like to say at minimum forty five minutes just about uh the industry and w- GameStop's business practices and ironically enough you know I, I, I told him what I did and what we do and I told him I'm like look I bash GameStop on air on the regular sometimes with great impunity and, and he said it he's like you know a, a lot of guys a lot of hardcore gamers or guys that really uh, take pride in the stuff they purchase they really give us a lot of shit because of the way we conduct ourselves and he's he was saying he's like that's not I don't say that you know in regards to our store but there's a lot of stores that do that, and they just strong arm the shit out of you, and that's that's a management issue. Sometimes they are they're under pressure from corporate, but he understood where I was coming from. So you know that particular individual, whether he's listening or not, you know it was it was it was great actually speaking to somebody that 
while they were pro-company, they did understand the shortcomings of their organization. So props to them. While I'm on the subject of that, I got to say that starting March 3rd, Best Buy is stepping up their price match policy to price match a ton of stores, including, you know, B&H Photo, Adorama, Newegg, all the usual suspects, Amazon, because they're tired of the showrooming, which they initially didn't have any care or concern about, but obviously is something that's going on. For those of you that don't know what showrooming is, that's basically the practice of going into a store like a Best Buy and trying out a product, seeing how it works, etc., asking a ton of questions, then walking out of the store without purchasing it and buying it from Amazon, Newegg, whatever online retailer for A, a better price, and B, without the hassle of just dealing with GameStop. I mean, with uh, Best Buy. So Best Buy is instituting this policy because obviously showrooming is a lot bigger than they acknowledged, and it's great to see, and uh, and a lot of people are like, yeah, you know, uh, Best Buy's in trouble, blah, blah, blah. And honestly, I just think it's a better way for them to get to get people's business. And I commend them for doing it because honestly, sure, I can go and try out a product and then go home and 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 order it from Best Buy. I mean, from Amazon or Newegg or whatever. But that eliminates the instant gratification, which is something that obviously Best Buy is is going to deliver right off the bat. I think that it's a smart move on their part. And honestly, if it's something that makes the price matching easy to do, I think I'm going to be doing it quite often. The only catch, obviously, is that it's going to be on one item. So don't think that if you're buying three, you, you can price match, you know, five Blu-rays that Amazon is selling for five bucks a pop at Best Buy and get them all for five bucks. It's not happening. You'll be able to do one, and that's it. Also, it's excluding, obviously, uh, cell phones on contract, etc. But I think it's a step in the right direction, and it goes into effect March 3rd. All right, I'm going to get some MMA news out of the way before we are joined by Hip Hop Gamer. So let's get the ball rolling on the MMA front. So I wanted to talk about UFC on Fuel TV 7 which happened um, this past weekend. The main event was Henan Barrow defending the interim bantamweight championship against Michael McDonald. Also on that card, Cub Swanson, Dustin Poirier, uh, Jimmy Manua, Cyril Diabati, Gunnar Nelson, Jorge Santiago, James Tahuna and Ryan Jimmo, and Che Mills and Matthew Riddle were on your main card. The prelims were on Facebook. Those fights, there were a couple of solid fights on there. Uh, Josh Grisby, Andy Ogle, uh, Danny Castillo, Paul Sass, uh, pretty pretty decent number of fights there. But the crazy thing about this card was that the main portion, not to say that it wasn't good, but there were way too many decisions versus the prelims. You know, Tom Watson, uh, Stanislav Nedkov was right off the bat TKO in round two uh, by Tom Watson. It was it was just an, a, a really nice clean TKO. Um, the Ogle and Grisby fight. Uh, Grisby looked really good in the first round. Ogle ended up taking, uh, you know, he took the two rounds, in my opinion, and he ended up winning via unanimous decision. The Danny Castillo fight was was solid, even though it went to a decision. But that's what happened. It was just a, a card full, full of decisions. But they had, they had some really solid fights. James Tahuna had a great entrance 
and he had a really solid performance against Ryan Jimmo. He took his fight via unanimous decision. Gunnar Nelson, Jorge Santiago, same thing, another unanimous decision. Jimmy Manua versus Cyril Diabati was probably one of the first uh, holy shit moments of the night. Uh, TKO in round one, basically because Diabati's leg, he tore his calf muscle on one of the takedowns. It was ridiculous. It was definitely a gruesome injury. Um, a solid fight. Manua definitely was looking good in the first round. Tough break for Diabati. I wish him the best. Uh, it torn A torn calf or any injury in that area sucks, um, especially when, it, when depending on which part of the calf you injure, just because the recovery on that is ridiculous. I mean, I, I, I had to take some, some injections for some ankle issues I have, and the guy, you know, the doctor told me, hey, we can't give you a lot, a lot of injections with, with, in this particular area because it'll affect your Achilles tendon and you can tear it. And the guy said, it's like you tear your Achilles tendon, you'll be, you'll be off the, off your feet for a while. So it, anything in that area is always of, of great concern to me. Like I said, because it's an area that's constantly being flexed or moved, whether, you know, you're walking upstairs or inadvertently standing on your tippy toes, it's going to be a, a decent road to recovery for, for Cyril Diabati, and it sucks. It was a tough break. Cub Swanson in his fight with Dustin Poirier looked insane. A lot of a lot of great attack, uh, a lot of great attacks from Swanson, especially in the later rounds in two and three. Just um, nice, not, not good hands. Very, very aggressive in the in the later rounds of that fight. Swanson takes the unanimous decision, and of course, the championship fight between Henan Barrow and Michael McDonald looked really, really good, especially in the early goings. McDonald looked very solid. Uh, Barrow though started started really turning up the pace in the second and third rounds in round four uh, a little more of the same and Barrow actually snuck in and got himself a, an arm triangle choke in the fourth round but you know I I gotta applaud Michael McDonald he was he gutted it out he's a young guy still has a tremendous future in this sport Barrow moves to 29 and one right now and I'm actually now third obviously 30 and one but very very good fight probably the fight that redeemed the card overall because like I said I just felt that it was um you know it was lacking because of so many decisions and that's not that's not the fault of of, of the of you know you the UFC or whatever but sometimes when you see decision after decision after decision especially in a card like this that was being broadcast at like two o'clock in the afternoon it, it really got to the point where I actually DVR'd the earlier part, ran some errands, and then came back and watched the rest of the live card because it was just decision after decision, and I couldn't really just be, um, I couldn't be drawn in by any of the fights on the card, which it's unfortunate, but overall it, it was a decent card. If I had to rate it, I'd say the overall the card was like a six, maybe seven out of ten tops. And like I said, it was redeemed with the Hen and Burrell Michael McDonald fight, and of course, obviously this weekend. Uh, Ronda Rousey, Liz Carmouche making history, going in uh, women's UFC title main event. It's it's gonna be amazing. The amount of press it's been getting it has been tremendous. Obviously, not only because of Ronda Rousey, just because of the of both women involved. They have great stories. The UFC primetime special did them a great service, giving viewers a lot of insight into both fighters. Um, I think Liz Carmouche has has an amazing story. You know. Obviously, uh, coming out of the armed forces, uh, being a 
you know, a lesbian mixed martial artist, which I really have to applaud the way the UFC has done it because it's it's been it's been handled correctly and it hasn't become something that has created a circus out of it. Her sexual orientation, while it has been mentioned, is always mentioned in a in a in a fairly respectable manner, and I have to applaud them for that. I think that that's one of the one of the big things that that I really enjoyed in the build up to this fight, and it's one of the things that concerned me in earlier episodes. You guys know, especially when when Ben was on air and we discussed it. It was one of the things where I said, I hope that they really don't make a spectacle out of her sexual orientation because she is a tremendous mixed martial artist. She has a fantastic story, and there's more to it than sexual orientation. Also, in Ronda's case, you have not only tremendous accolades as a mixed martial artist, but obviously, you know, you're going to cite the the sex appeal, the mainstreaming of uh, of Ronda Rousey as being a facet that's really pushed this into the, you know, into the spotlight. But again, these are, in my opinion, these are just two very talented women that are going to test their skills in the largest stage, and it's going to be the proving ground. We're going to see if not only can female mixed martial artists establish a strong presence in the UFC, but if it's embraced the way it was in Strike Force and in other organizations. Not to say that it won't be, but I just feel that with the UFC, there's a lot more riding on it. Obviously, pay-per-view buy rates, all of that, there's, there's a lot of factors. But I do have to commend the UFC for you know, doing the right thing, allowing the ladies a chance to shine. Not only that, but also going out there and and actively pursuing uh, female talent, especially considering, you know, you have Invicta out there and what's going on with them and those ladies, Shannon Knapp and that crew just have a tremendous organization. They're really spotlighting a lot of talented female mixed martial artists that I'm sure the UFC is watching with great interest and I think is going to be a situation where their work in Invicta is what's going to be de- the determining factor if these ladies are going to get the call to the big dance. So really looking forward to it. UFC makes history this weekend. Ronda Rousey, Liz Carmouche. You also got Hendo and Machida. Obviously, all, all signs point to Hendo winning and getting a shot at John Jones. Either way, I think it's going to be a grueling fight. Hendo's coming out of a couple of wars already, and he's going to go in there and probably have another war with Machida. Machida's jaw, has, his chin has been tested, and if anybody's going to really put the put the stamp on that chin, it's it's Hendo with, an, with a well-timed H-bomb. It's going to be a great fight. Robbie Lawler, Josh Koscheck, super pumped for that fight as well. I'm actually a big fan of Robbie Lawler, and Josh Koscheck, I have a love-hate relationship with the guy because the guy really knows how to make you hate him, but there's no there, there's no disputing his athletic ability and and not only that, but just the way he brings it in the octagon. So it's going to be a fantastic, fantastic card, and you'll be able to catch that on pay-per-view uh, this Saturday. Of course, the prelims will probably be on, on FX and Facebook, you know, all the usual places. And, of course, keep an eye out for some fight picks from our friends at MMA Valor probably later on this evening or tomorrow as well. All right, switching gears, I want to talk about this week's Ultimate Fighter. Um, Once again, a lot of really good editing this season, showing off um, different facets of the house and of the fighters. Uh, Special guest this week was Mickey Rourke, who came in to talk to the fighters. Also, Ronda Rousey called in, and um, 
you know, I think I think it was one of those things where, you know, it's um, not to say that the editing has been doing the show a lot of favors, but the caliber of fighters obviously are a big are a big portion of it. But they've done a better job of making it more about the fighters, less about the coaches, which is good. Kelvin Gastelum from Team Sonnen took on uh, Bubba McDaniel's from Team Jones. Um, Kelvin Gastelum took the fight via rear naked choke in the second round. Gastelum looked really good in the first round, even though I kind of thought it was it was very very close. But uh, you know he closed it out with a nice flurry of punches and the diving Superman punch, which was a nice exclamation point uh, to to close out the round. And then in the second round. Uh, Kelvin actually secured a front face lock, then went into back control, landed a couple of nice shots, at which point, you know, he locked in the rear naked choke. Solid technique, especially because Kevin Gastelum was fighting a, a guy, Bubba McDaniels. He's a veteran, and, you know, Gastelum's had only a couple of fights under his belt. It's going to be, it's definitely going to be really, really good. Next week, uh, Tor and Josh are going to lock up, and um, we get a little situation with Uriah Hall. But overall, again, this season, solid from start to finish. I'm really enjoying not only the pacing of the series, but the way it's being edited. I'm very, very, very happy thus far. All right, let's get into some of the other MMA news for this week. Like I mentioned last week, it's official now. Cyborg is heading to Invicta. Uh, Tina Ortiz confirmed that she will be facing Eddie Ann Gomes at Invicta FC5 on the main card. So... That card is taking place April 5th, and it's very interesting because Tito, I love Tito Ortiz, He's, I'm a big fan of his, but I think that Tito Tito's involvement in the negotiations for Cyborg with the UFC, I think it was definitely a factor in not making it work the way it should have, primarily because Tito, Tito just comes and talks out of his ass, and I think, especially with Dana, Dana and Tito's relationship is is definitely strained always has been even though they kind of squashed their beef it was never a hundred percent in my book and the grandstanding involved in this particular instance definitely really put it really really hurt this particular fight because i think cyborg and rousey whether it would have been a catchweight fight or whether cyborg would have cut the weight and done it it probably would have been a fight that would have done a historic buy rate for the UFC, especially if, you know, Cyborg would have taken a couple of random drug tests, been clean on the way in, etc. I think it would have been something that just would have gotten people so, so into the into that particular fight because there, there's genuine animosity there, which is always good to sell a card. Not only that, but you have Cyborg just dominant stand-up, Rousey's incredible, um, you know, transitions for the armbar that she's been uh, successful with in all her fights. It would have been really great to see. Plus, I think Cyborg would have definitely tested Rousey's stand-up. And it's a shame that the fight isn't going to happen, but like anything else in MMA, never say never. You know, Cyborg may get the opportunity down the road. Maybe she will decide to make the drop and fight Rousey for the title. Or who knows? Maybe Rousey will insist on, on calling her out more and will secure a fight even if it's out of catchweight because the beef between these two young ladies is 100% legitimate. Anyway, I wanted to talk about Rampage also who was in the news this week. He showed up on the Abe Canan show and he was talking about a couple of things which I really wanted to share with you guys only because 
I was I was just I wasn't bummed with it, but it was just very not surprising given what's been going on. Anyway, Rampage was asked about the next MMA promotion that that may sign him, and he said, "I just want to be with an organization that's going to treat me right. I've been fighting for 12 long years. I feel like I've done a lot for this sport, and I just feel like it's time for the sport to take care of me." I've been taking care of the sport. I've been putting a lot of butts in chairs. I've been trying to be entertaining, and I feel like I put my body on the line. I've been fighting injured for like the last six fights. I feel like I put my body on the line for the sport, and I think it's time for the sport to have my back a little bit. He went on to say that any organization out there that signs him, if they want to have my back and treat me like the way I feel I should be treated, I'll go and I'll hype up their shows. That's what I do. I get people interested. I don't need to fight. My kids are secure. My family's secure. I don't need to fight, but I like to entertain people, and I still feel I have something to prove. Now, one of one of the interesting questions which I wanted to share with you guys was he was asked about his his issues with Ryan Bader, who, you know, obviously he lost to at UFC 144 in Japan. And I it's very interesting because the way that Rampage painted it is it's it's weird because to, to some degree, you're going to look at it like, look, man, the guy went out there and he fought to win. He didn't fight to look entertaining. Other people are going to say, hey, you're in Japan. You should have gone out there and, and, and fought fought Rampage's style of fight. Now, before I share what he said, it, like I said, there's two schools of thought. You go out there and you put on a great show or, a great show, or you fight to win. That's all that matters. You fight to win, and that's what comes first and foremost. Whether it's right or wrong, I think that th- those two particular schools of thought are going to have a lot of people in agreement. Me, personally, I think that if you're in a fight, you're going out there to win. Whether it's using your wrestling, whether it's using your striking, whatever the case is, you're in the octagon to win. Obviously, you want to put on a show, but at the end of the day, you want your hand raised and that's it. Anyway, in Rampage's case, here's what he said. He said, I have no respect for Ryan Bader. He sucks. I told the guy, come on. He knew I was injured. I didn't make weight. I told him, listen, man, I ain't going to beat around the bush. Everybody knows I like to keep it real. Just make it an exciting fight. I don't care about winning or losing. I love Japan. I love the fans there. I wanted an exciting fight. But yeah, that's what these guys are doing. That's one reason I don't want to be part of the UFC. See, these guys in the UFC care more about winning and getting the W than putting on a show. But at the same time, I don't blame them because if you lose two times in a row in the UFC, you can be out of there. They're just protecting their careers. See, it, it was definitely contradictory what Rampage said. But like I said, it's two schools of thought. Now, in Rampage's case, had Bader gone out there and traded with him and it would have been a war, yeah, the crowd would have been into it, but Rampage would have still possibly lost. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's no... Rampage, in my opinion... His offense has changed so much from what it used to be where you had great striking coupled with wrestling, tremendous takedowns. It, it was just amazing. You you had a right to fear Rampage because his attack was so, was so varied. He was going to come in there and shoot for the takedown or go for the slam, not to mention he had great hands. Sure, did, should he, did he throw leg kicks? Eh. Was he going for submissions? Eh. But, you know... I think with the evolution of the sport, I think that evolution in Rampage's case did not happen at the speed that most people would have liked. That's not to say that that he was going to be a, a better fighter had he evolved with the rest of the fighters, but 
I think it's something that that hampered Rampage because he became very comfortable with just his hands and he lost. I, I guess he not that he forgot how to wrestle, but he just didn't rely on it because he had the hands to do the damage, which is unfortunate. I think that it, the, the whole point of mixed martial arts is being a mixed martial artist. And if you have a background in wrestling and you're able to shoot and you're able to, to, to sprawl and brawl and you have great takedowns, great slams, that you should be using that stuff because that's what your bread and butter is. Not everybody's going to want to go out there to, and trade with you and stand with you, especially when you got knockout power. They're going to go out there and get the W. Same thing with his last fight, which bothered me, which was, you know, he's letting, you know, Glover Teixeira take him down. It's like, it's like Glover Teixeira may have good wrestling, but Rampage, your bread and butter was wrestling, and this guy just took you down mercilessly. It's 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 very strange in Rampage's case, and and going back to what's what Ben has said, and you know it's one of the things I'm really going with. I I think Rampage just needs to to sit back, enjoy his money, maybe branch out, do some movies, have a little fun, and then come back down the road and fight. Whether it's for Bellator or any other organization, I think it's one of those things where it would it would really just be better for him to rest up heal up all those nagging injuries, get rejuvenated, and and come out there and and really just finish up his legacy. I think that he still has much to give the sport. Should he have given it to the UFC? Absolutely. But, you know, things go the way they go, and that's not to say that we may never see Rampage again. But I think, if anything, maybe he he can get into the light heavyweight Grand Prix, uh, light heavyweight tournament for Bellator, get a fight with King Mo. Honestly... I'll be I'll be honest when I tell you guys that Rampage has a, a a really good future if he if he decided to do it in professional wrestling. I think that's where Rampage can definitely excel because he can entertain, he has mainstream appeal, and the crowd can really get behind him. Now, if he gets a deal like King Mo got where he can do Bellator and do MMA and do professional wrestling, I, I think in, in Rampage's case, that'll really help him out. It'll allow him to entertain, have a little fun, and then go into Bellator and fight and make some money. Is he going to go out there and, and, and slam people? <clears throat> excuse me. Slam people on their heads like he did Ricardo Arona? Probably not. But I think Rampage still has a lot to offer the sport. Next, of course, we got it's fight week, and you know Dana White's always going to be talking about a ton of stuff. He was actually... <clears throat> did an interview with MMA Junkie, and they were asking him about Cyborg signing with Invicta. And he said, which was crazy, this particular statement just tripped me out. He goes, we were going to sign her to a contract, and then we were going to have her fight in Invicta, which means we'd pay all the bills for her to fight in Invicta. She'd be under a UFC contract with all the perks and benefits of being a UFC fighter and would fight in Invicta. So instead of doing that, they chose to not do that and just fight in Invicta. If you can make logic out of that whole fucking situation, you're a better man than I. So, I, th- I think um, in this particular instance, I got to say that Dana White, if Dana White was going to give Chris Cyborg a contract and then have her on there, you know, sign her for a contract, pay all her training, all her stuff, and let her fight an Invicta, then, then what the hell would, why would they do that? and just take the Invicta deal without all of that extra incentive from the UFC. I don't know what the fuck Tito's up to. I think um, he could have really 
they, they should have taken the UFC money. Dana White legitimately said, hey, I'm going to give you a contract and I'll let you fight in another organization. It boggles my mind that they didn't take that. So, you know, when asked about her fighting in Invicta, he said, we don't have a 145-pound division. So we're going back and forth with these guys in the deal. So I called Shannon, who owns Invicta, and said, listen, if I do this deal with Cyborg, can you give her fights over there? I'll pay the bills, and you put on some fights over there till I can figure out how this whole thing is going to go down. She said, absolutely no problem. We'd love to do it. The next thing I know, Tito wants out of the contract, and they sign with her. See, this is, this is what I'm saying. Like, Tito... Tito is, is, is he has a good mind for the sport and he's an asset to the sport but like like in this particular instance you should have taken the guaranteed money you should have taken it 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 makes no sense to me why you didn't take the guaranteed money knowing full well that Invicta would have taken care of her given her some fights and she would have got a fat UFC check and, I, and the reason I think that Dana was going to do this was because he was trying to figure out how he was going to set up that fight with Ronda, which is, which is fine. I think it would have been a great way for everybody to win. You get the fat UFC contract. You get all the medical benefits that the UFC offers their fighters, which in this day and age are crucial with all the injuries going on in training. Not only that, but you'd be able to fight in an organization that can get 145-pound fighters and you'd be able to bide your time, keep your name out there, and still, still possibly have that super fight opportunity with Ronda Rousey. I just think it's it's really, really poor business on Tito's part. And I'd love, I, I'd give anything to ask Tito, whether it's on air or just in person, be like, dude, why why didn't you guys take that? That's bona fide money. I maybe it was because he didn't want. Cyborg to be quote unquote owned by the UFC. Maybe he was afraid that it wasn't going to work out where everybody wins. But come on, man. There's an opportunity for you to fight in another organization with someone else footing the bill completely. I just I just don't understand how that can happen where you don't you don't do that. It it it, it amazes me that Tito didn't that Tito didn't do that, and he instead decided to, um, you know, pull the plug and have her, out, have her, you know, back out of her contract to sign with Invicta. <sighs> what can you do? Anyway, I just been informed that Hip Hop Gamer's on the line. Let me bring him on. We got lots to discuss. Hip Hop Gamer, welcome back. Yo, yo, you already know what it is, man. One love and God bless, baby. I'm here, son. Let's get it. Welcome back. It's been it's been a while since you've been on the show, and so many so many things have happened. Obviously, uh, your part, your affiliation with EGM, the creation of Hip Hop Gamer Inc. As usual, the 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 typical amounts of beef that surround you in this industry, and yeah, we know the, that. The, <laughs> and of course, PlayStation Four. So let's. Oh my God. Well, now you're uh, you're you're definitely you're you're entitled to be hyped for that. But I want I want to kind of bring everybody up to speed. Um, first off, you know you 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 partnered up with EGM. 
really hit the mainstream and then it kind of it kind of put the the rocket on your back where the level of exposure i think tripled after signing you know after doing the affiliation with egm because i was seeing your face in a lot more places than usual so how did that come to pass and uh, you know how has the relationship been thus far with egm um egm has been great like um when they first when they first started the actual partnership program uh, I I think one of the things with and this is something that has been has been in the press it's been in the press a lot as you know especially you know I want I, I definitely want to get into the ECA stuff but here's 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 the thing and and you know you you're you're, you're free to disagree in in your particular instance I think that we've ran into a situation where you've carved out your own unique niche in the industry that works for you there's only one of you if I went and you know I went if I went and bought a replica belt and and changed the way I spoke I could never deliver the same level of enthusiasm that you do because you know what the enthusiasm is genuine so so the, I think that's been one of the one of the factors that in my opinion has has kind of driven a wedge between journalists uh, bloggers and and even just people that that have you on, on in, in conversation because the way I see it is I've met you in person before before I met you and, and you know that the first time you were on the show I'm like I had preconceived notions which were dashed immediately when I met you because the yeah. the, the the enthusiasm was infectious the you, you were genuine in what you did you gave you gave a damn about what you did the only thing is that you're the only one that that works for. Yeah, well, you know, you are big when it comes to that. You know, we're leading the whole is We're leading like that into the industry on this particular level is because I felt that the love was missing in the industry. I felt like it became too much about business, money, marketing, advertising. It was beyond a message. 
things. Okay, and all to the point where, you know, just reciting what's written down or what other people want you to say, and then you get the face to say it. It was disheartening to me. Because I remember playing Ocean Beach, you know what I'm saying, trying to let y'all for the first time. I remember that feeling. You know what I'm saying? I remember feeling the pain, Tom Patrick Chapman, and getting to the end of the front fist, and every guy. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I remember those feelings. I know how. I know what a game is, you know what I'm saying? Because I am that. I am body. I am not even a gamer. So when that element, I saw him missing in the drama's world, I was like, damn, you know, somebody else is about this. So, you know, I'm going to say, I can't look for a focus on my own and made a difference. You know what I'm saying? And the reason why they work for me so much is because it is me. It's not, it's not hard to be me because I am who I am. I know who I am. And there's a quote, you know, that I, that I really love. And it says, if you stand for nothing, if you stand for nothing, then you're going to fall for anything. You know what I mean? I stand for something in this industry. I have my own standards. And that's one of the things that separate me from every other, every other journalist because I do things my way. See, I set my own standards when I came into this industry. I never went into this industry trying to uh, confer to the industry standards. But then who am I in the process? You see what I'm saying? So a lot of people, when they saw me and they saw the accolades and the access and, you know, things that I started to achieve, in their mind, it be, a lot of them became envious of me, even though that's ignorant because I never did anything to them personally, but I understand it because we're human. So a lot of people became envious of me because I was able to be successful in a way that they wish they could have been. But now they could never be that because they already conferred. So if they try to change now to be who they really are, then people will look at them like they fake. Now how messed up is that? Oh, that's you put yourself in how you put yourself in a situation where when you are able to be you, people look at that as fake because you wasn't you to begin with. That's messed up. So I I was I've been able to, you know, separate myself from everybody else, create my own brand and my own lane. And you know, five years later, I'm a corporation. It's crazy. Well, no, that's 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 something that has you know, it, it's 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 an amazing success story, and that's one thing that I've you know, and I tell people all the time, I don't I don't use the term journalist for myself. I like to call myself the the guy looking into the fish tank. And a K, <laughs> that's how I like to look at myself. You you want to know you want to know why? And and this is why I feel that I can understand where you're coming from with the way the, the industry is because everybody in this industry, I'd like to say at least 85% of the people I've met in this industry will shake your hand with one, with one arm while they're wielding the knife with the other. Mm. That's that. And, and, and the, and the reasoning I say that is because if you get a level of access, much like you've had, you get a level of access, you get certain things, you get into certain places, people start to question what you're doing to get there and obviously in your case there's always oh you know it, you know he, he he's he's in the hip-hop industry and that gets him in there or you know he he overhypes even even the shitty stuff and that gets him in there whatever the case is the formula that you have works for you and for me personally i you know i i like i like being on the outside of the fish tank looking in because it allows me to not have allegiances to anything and in your case when you put out the video recently with with the annoyed gamer and you were talking about doing the track for Twisted yeah. Metal and not reviewing the game, you validated exactly that where you 
weren't willing to compromise your relationship for the sake of getting a review out there. And that's what I'm saying. Like, like sometimes you really got to press, you, you have to stop yourself from getting bigger than you think you are. Like, like, you know, you, sometimes you could fake it till you make it. But if you're a, if you're somebody that put a site together with an etch a sketch and, and Crayola crayons and you're mad because you can't get into, you can't get an E3 invite and, and, and go on Twitter and, and bitch about you being the face of the ECA, then don't be mad. Work harder, grind harder, go out there and make those sacrifices and don't bitch. That's why like, like you and I, we, you know, we've, we've had a great rapport over the years, but I always say the same thing. Your, what you do works for you and you bust your ass to do it.
And I just, I just want people to know that, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy, you know, but when you're dealing with people that assassinate your character, always remain who you are, and then the truth will come out. And then you'll, be, then you'll realize that the person that's going on pointing and blaming and bitching and stuff like that is actually a reflection of themselves. Well, I gotta. Well, I have to tell you that your your last video when you responded to him was without a doubt. And and you know I, I've I've seen shots fired. I've seen all the other videos. Your video where with your response to him probably has to rank as one of my favorite videos. And it's not because of the way it was handled, but because you stepped out of frame and you were you spoke to the individual. You weren't just you know yeah you were still hip hop gamer, but you spoke to the person on a more personal level like it exactly. it was the equivalent of you and i sitting across from each other at a table and having a conversation and and, and again you know the theatricality the, the belt all that stuff it, it's it's a facet of of who you are and it's a facet that that gets you paid and gets you where you are but sometimes you got to yeah. step out of frame and acknowledge people on a more intimate level and i think that the way that video was done the way it was presented no, you know, no special effects, nothing crazy. Was probably yeah, it was just yeah, it was exactly real. The same man, and I appreciate it, man. I got so much, I mean, so much love on it. And um, one of the things that I really enjoyed about the video that somebody retweeted is that they they retweeted a quote that I said. And um, in the video, you know, I remember when Annoy Gamer was saying that I represent everything wrong in the industry, which was a harsh thing to say considering my love for this industry and. Like, I'm gonna say two things. Anybody in their right mind, if I was exactly what these people said I was, I would not get the access to accolades or anything in this business if I was exactly the way they said I was. So obviously, there's something that needs to be further investigated. Obviously, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, and that's basically what I did. That's one. Two. The next. Two. The next thing is this. It's like um, if you. In that particular video, when he said that I represented everything wrong in the industry, what I truly feel is wrong in the industry, like I said in the video, is that we're all too separated. And what people understand is, if you look at sports, I use example the NBA, for example, we're, they're all a part of the same league. Now, they're all different teams. It's like they're all different websites that go up against each other. You know, it's competition. It's fun factor. You know what I'm saying? You do what you want to do. But at the end of the game, and even at the beginning of the game, you shake your hand, and show love, and show respect to one another. And at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? It's more on the championship last year. So every other team don't hate them. They just gotta work harder to get in this position. And long for them, they're a victim so that they can get to that position. That's the way. Take shots because that's not what it's about. 
But the thing is, people ain't perfect. We all deserve forgiveness. And the more we help each other out, the more we can get, and the more we all can grow because we are part of the same industry with the same goals and causes. Bottom line. Well, when I heard when I heard that about about what you're doing being you know bad for the industry, my reaction as and I and I just said it to myself out loud. I said, "Oh, you know, I'm sorry that I don't go out there and shuck and jive and kiss ass to 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 get ahead. I, you know, I'm sorry that." I'm grinding while you're sleeping. So, you know, and I and I and I and I understood. I understood the frustration, but you know, and and this is this is going into the the ECA situation. You know, the the ECA situation was something. You know, I, I, the ECA goes out there. They 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 try and be advocate for the gaming industry. They try to to fight. For us, and it's something that I feel that the gaming industry lacks. It lacks that unified voice for those instances where Fox News and politicians come out of their ass saying that you know it's it's the fault of gaming for society's ills, and we don't have that. We we usually we you know we have we have a hundred sites that write a hundred different articles complaining about it, and the one unified voice that we pot that we have in the ECA, you know, got one got somebody who's just as outspoken to go to war for us the gamers. Now whether whether we know you personally or we don't know you personally, we need that. What's the sense of hiding behind a keyboard and bitching about what Fox News says or bitching about what what you know, certain political advocates are saying instead of just going out there and attacking the problem head on? That's why they gave you the gig, because you're going to go out there and you're going to attack the problem head on. You don't mind being the guy front and center. You don't mind being the guy that's going to go and, 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 and come back on his shield, because that's you, you volunteered for that. Yeah, and, and I love it. I, I'm not saying it's like, my thing is with all ECA bills is that, you know, when I came to them, when I came to them, and I didn't ask them what, you know what I'm saying, like, I'm a... I don't think I'm asking for no money. I think, you know, like, look, I love what you guys are about. I want you guys to be honest. I want to get you know, a cause because in my position now, I know I can really be kind of happy. So they, so they, 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 they were the ones that came up with the whole brand of that idea. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, well, why don't you do that? You know, or you don't get a reason to bring it back to me. And I'll be the first one in the head culture. You know what I'm saying? But, That's what a leader does. 
He takes the blame, but he also takes the accolades. He or she. Oh. That's what it's all about because I, I was just sick and tired of the same thing you sick and tired of. People always point fingers and blame themselves when they don't have an answer. You know what I'm saying? It's like, come on, man. Games, they do nothing. Like, you know what I would tell Fox News, though? I would do an interview with um, Bill O'Reilly or something like that. I don't think do that. You know, people blame, you know, killings on games and all this other stuff and social media. Hitler was a kid at one point. Games didn't exist. And none of that. No social media, none of that. Like, he was a kid once who grew up. You don't just become the killer he was. You had to be raised that way. You had to get a lot of knowledge. You don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to kill 50, and be responsible for 50 million deaths. There had, to, there had to be like a family trait. You had to be taught these things. You, had to, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, you had to learn it. So my thing is, he did all of that in games and social media. All that stuff didn't even exist. And, he, and he's responsible for the biggest massacre we've ever seen in life. You mean to tell me that games is the problem? from that standpoint you got to look at it like this and here here's here's a, a a solid addition to to your argument look at urban crime look at crime in the hood where people are shooting each other and killing each other every day are yeah. are you bl are you blaming gaming for that no you know yeah, but the moment it gets to middle america and high right. class and all this other stuff oh it's the games right if you look at a crime rate in new york city and you go into into East New York, or or you go into into parts of Queens. You know you know you go down into into South Jamaica, and and you pull up a police blotter for that week. It wasn't because some guy watch was playing GTA and decided that he was gonna go rob a Wendy's and and, and jump off the top of the Coliseum Mall. That's not what they're doing. You know they they they're going out there and committing crimes and and and, and they're violent crimes and 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 it's not even just robberies but rape etc there's no there's no gaming because some of these guys are coming from from neighborhoods and from families that don't even don't even have televisions yeah 
how they build up as a as a platform to to do it to be a personal diet and try to go about it the right way to get folks out of track and get that point across. No, I gotta you know, I I commend I commend I commend what you're doing and like I said, you know, your your voice, the way you present yourself, it's something that's unique to you. And if you want to be successful in this industry, and this is just sage advice, work harder than the guy next to you. That's it. That's the only way you're going to get ahead. Absolutely. Now, now sw- switching gears a little bit from, you know, politics and everything else, obviously let's get into to some lighter stuff. The, you know, PS4 announcement was yesterday. You were super hype. Uh, your video today definitely reinforced that. Your tweets throughout the day and yesterday also reinforced that. Um, you know, I, what what are your thoughts overall on the presentation? You know, and I want I want to get your opinions before I you know I share I share mine because there were there were very very mixed reviews. Like people were expecting full blown unveilings with price and all that. And in terms of just doing good business, you shouldn't have to show your whole hand. And I think Sony was smart in that respect. There, there were some things that I didn't like, and and I'll share that I'll share that momentarily. But they they succeeded in becoming the dominant force in news yesterday. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this, man. I don't hear what nobody say. Sony overdoing it. In my, um, in my opinion, and I'm going to tell you why. They show Daniels running in real time, which was something that I was hoping for that they showed, and they showed more than one. Two, they show that they are, they, they, that they created a system that was made by developers, for developers, for gamers. So a lot of, they corrected a lot of wrongs that they have with the PS3 from a development standpoint, hands down. That's true. Three, they showed the controller, which looks great. Like, I'm just all in on this controller. It looks great, but they probably showed it, and people was, they were using it, playing it. They showed the demonstration of PlayStation 4, <laughs> PlayStation 4 games running on Vita and the goal is to allow every game that's a PS4 game to be able to be ran on Vita being a client for the actual server which is ridiculous like uh, just the whole office is crazy then the share button is what I feel is going to be the feature of the future that's my quote right there you're welcome to take it so but the share button is the feature of the future guaranteed you know what I'm saying you just put an end to the HDPDR business then, then on top of that, you know, they showed tech demos. That was all real-time tech demos. And the best part is that what a lot of people didn't know is that the dev kits that these developers had was 4-gig development kits. And once 8-gigs was announced, like, they did, a lot of developers didn't even know the system was actually going to be 8-gigs unified. So now... Everything that you saw is obviously not done yet, but look at the launch window. Infamous, Killzone, um, Capcom's new IP, um, uh, uh, Watch Dogs, you know, like Diablo, and like this is your launch window? 
this interview, you got triple A titles out the gate. That looks, that right there is scary. You know what I'm saying? That's that. Then, on top of um, everything that they show, the things that they actually talked about. Because even that game, that, the first game that Mark Sonny, um showed, crazy. Just just the whole idea of knowing that we're going to be playing games that look like Pixar cartoons is insane. Then, um, then the support of Destiny. This is a bungee game that's having special only PS PlayStation content. Like, that's crazy. No, and that's a PS4 It is my own criticism of the night. Is that I wish they apparently would have been able to show a full-fledged presentation of what Daikai is going to be like on PS4. But the fact that they didn't show it is still exciting because now we got something to look forward to. So to me, I feel Sony showed how powerful their system is going to be, where it can go, how easy it is to work on, how seamless it works in terms of being able to use your iPad, your Android tablets, and all types of stuff with the PlayStation 4, and all that connectivity, you know what I'm saying, the social aspects. They showed a lot. And what they showed was working, was real-time, and was ready. Like, you know what I'm saying? And that right there is all with development. And what they show E3, obviously, is going to be even better. And now they, 2013, it appears that they're going to have a successful launch with shit that works. That's not going to be so broken. That's what it looks so far. So I feel that they fixed them. They write right uh, the wrongs <laughs> that they have with PS3 on the government and then they showed everything that they had to offer in terms of how these are going to work. And they explained it in good detail. And the back of capability that people complain about, obviously, PS1, PS4, PS3 games is going to be straight. And I'm going to let you in on something. Demon Terry personally showed me how Gaikai works. Personally. Nice. So I've seen everything that they're going to be doing at a time where it wasn't even as far along as it is now. So, when I asked the question before the Sony announcement of the acquisition was um, mentioned, I said, well, how will this work with, like, Sony exclusives or Microsoft exclusives? Because obviously you, you know, if you want to stay in this that you want to have all, you know, on your platform, you know, platform. And his response was basically saying that we're open to discussion and he had a large sheet full of actual data on the behavioral patterns of consumers. And that right there alone is what led to the acquisition of Sony. And Sony spent that type of money because they knew that they were changing the architecture, but they didn't want to get rid of a feature that everybody loved. And I'm telling you, when you see the back of inability work, or you just push a button and you play it, you spray it, you won't dabble it or nothing, everything is just different on YouTube video. That's what people really going to be like, yo, Sony just, they just, they opened the limit. They opened the limit. Because the quality of the Kelvin was amazing. It's an instant phenomenal. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, eat, eat, um, eat there or something like that. So that's all. Brand new IP. A brand new IP. That was revealed at this type of event. What? Then, um, 
I see it and and you know you 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 have a, a tremendous amount of valid points here's a couple of things that that resonated with me I think that they Sony succeeded in firing a shot at um, streaming you know things like Justin TV twitch TV with the share button while yeah, I oh my God. yeah that 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 I think is gonna be very interesting because you're eliminating the necessity to have a hardcore system or a PC and countless other hardware in order for you to share gameplay with your friends. Now, if they if they if they improve that to the point where you can stream directly to YouTube or other or other partners, it's going to be tremendous. I think that was one of the things that kind of went under the radar. Everybody's like, "Oh, that's cool. You could stream the games to your friends." And it's like, "Yeah, but if you want to share the gameplay, you're eliminating the necessity of of having to have a laptop and a capture card or an HD PVR or any of that other ancillary stuff by only using the system and that to me was revolutionary but on the on the flip side of that I felt that by integrating the Vita into it it borrowed a little bit from the Wii U with the Wii U tablet but the Vita still continues to suffer from what I can what I've said to you before it's like a, a whole bunch of technology and the game and and the AAA titles are few and far between. It's like that's great, you know. I have a Vita, and it's a bona fide extension of my PS4, and that's great that I can take the games with me. But what about the games that the Vita should have on its own? You see what I'm saying? Well, well I'm gonna say this, and this is what people need to understand. Vita has been out for one year, right? And when you have a system or when you're working on anything, you want to see growth, right? So any system that comes out, I did it two years. Because if you come out in your first year, you did okay, but I did that PSB in their first year, I would say, uh, I think they did like four million, four to five million um uh pieces of hardware sold. Uh four to five million I believe for the first year. Now people could say that's not good and that's fine, but PlayStation three did roughly the same thing. Five million, six million in the first year. Now they're at seventy something million neck and neck with Xbox with a whole year head start on them with eight to ten million consoles ahead. So that's the first thing. The second thing is a PS Vita, it's an incredible machine. But just as when the PS3 came out and you had all this hate and negativity surrounding it, if you don't know no better and you don't do proper research on games and things like that, then you want to look at all that negativity and be like, I don't know if I should get it. I ain't gonna jump into it like that. So that actually, journalists actually play a part in the reason why Vita hasn't taken off as fast as it could. But okay. here's the killer. Here's the killer. When the Vita drops in price and the new version come out, because there's a new version coming. But when the Vita drops in price, that's one. 
and you see more games come out for it because, like I said, it's only been a year. Second year starts now. So this year, we already saw how Killzone is looking. We already see now how PS Vita is going to be using PS4, which is already a selling point. So this year, we see more exciting things surrounding Sony as a whole. And PS Vita is, no, is not going to be a slouch at all. There's a lot of new things coming to Vita. So my thing is, all this doom and gloom is unnecessary because if this year, by the time February 2014 comes, let's say they sell more. That's, that's success because they did better than what they did before and they on the up cloud. So until that happens, nobody can really, really say anything. And, and what can you really, honestly, what can you really say that's bad about the deal? Because I hear people talk about they say they don't got no games and shit. That's, that's a bold, bold, bold thing fly. I got Uncharted Logan the Disc, which is a really good game. And it's very unique. There's a lot of cool shit in there. Unit 13 is a real solid game. Story, there's no story to it, but it's a fun game to play. Ultimate Marvel is Capcom 3. Now, I know a lot of people that, well, I got that on my home console. Well, this is a portable. Is designed for portability. So if you want a game on the go uh, with your favorite games, uh, then get it. Then you got Street I got Street Fighter Cross Tekken, which runs great on the Vita. It's like playing the PC version on the go. I got Mortal Kombat. I got Call of Duty Black Ops the Classified. I have, uh, I got PlayStation All Stars. Uh, I got Reality Fighters. That's a lot. Of, I got close to ten games, if not ten games, on my Vita within the first year. So my thing is that right there alone is success. Because they're 10 games that work very well that's fun to play. So when people say they don't got games, that's not true. There's a lot, there's a ton of games out there for Vita. And a lot of people that complain about a system not having games, like, they probably don't even got enough money to buy the shit that they actually do want. Like, I mean, come on. It's like, I, I really feel people um, bash things too much without even having it to experience it properly. And that's just my take on it. But after, after this showing that Sony did, and what we're going to see at E3, Vita's going to be a, a much more attractive console, uh, handheld, and it will sell more than it did its first year. And once you see that pattern happen, it's going to be the opposite of the week. The week came out, it was selling like hotcakes. Then the sales started to drop year after year after year. And then people don't even use me that much. They haven't used that much. And now we use is obviously um, uh, a fluid point for because you expect the success of something that was so successful with this power rocket like that. And you didn't. It didn't fall into So that's my thing on that. Well, no, I, see, I, I get where you're coming from, but here's, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to run this by you and, and, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll kind of flesh things out. If you look at a release window, let's say, all right, we got the 26th, next Tuesday, you got Ninja Gaiden Sigma 2 Motocross for the Vita. March 5th, you got the MLB 13, the show. Then you got a small gap, then you got Dead or Alive 5 Plus. That's March 19th. Soul Sacrifice, April 30th. Now, here's the thing. April 30th, Soul Sacrifice. You're no, you don't get to see another game till June 25th, which is Muramasa Rebirth. Then, there's another gap from June, you don't see another title mentioned, and again, this is subject to change, until November, uh, September 3rd, which is Valhalla Nights 3, and then Killzone Mer Mercenary coming out 
shortly thereafter. It's those sporadic windows that concern me because it's not keeping the console in front of gamers. And this has always been something... Dude, if I I have probably two games that I still that I bought on Black Friday that I haven't really touched. Then I got all the games I work on for reviews, not even not even factoring in the GameFly shit. So, uh, you know, I I I, <laughs> I, un- I understand your point. Yeah, so I mean, even though there's a gap, you can't say that it's not keeping games busy because of gap. Because sometimes the gap is actually good. Yeah, I see your Raptor. I see your Raptor updates. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So you see that. Then Assassin's Creed 3. I did in that. Far Cry 3, I beat that. But out of all the games I just mentioned, I ended Devil May Cry and Far Cry 3. I, I didn't beat Assassin's Creed 3. There's still so many games that I'm playing that's holding me in front of my TV, enjoying my platform. The same thing I can take to your console, and the same thing you just explained, because you're not even done. If you look at, in your position right now, you can't even complain about a game not being out. If anything, you would want them to wait on games because you still trying to play catch up. Oh, dude, I stay. I, I play. I play catch up often. No, the the logic the logic that you present with regards to that is sound. My my only thing that concerns me, and 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 I applaud Sony for stepping their game up, is that initially. They were playing catch up to secure a lead from Nintendo, and and much like you were saying, Nintendo's kind of fallen by the wayside because Nintendo relies on what I like to call the walled garden, like Apple does. And yeah. that's not to say that their systems aren't enjoyable and their games aren't enjoyable, but it 
Nintendo takes risks all the time and then scales back instead of gambling more. Sony right now, they've pretty much laid their cards on the table, but they haven't laid them all out, which is what I was going to go into regarding, you know, people complaining about not seeing the console, not getting the price. It's like, why are you going to... What Sony succeeded in doing is, and you know this better than anybody being inside the industry, is that you know from January till May, the industry is dead as shit. You know that, because there's okay. games... There's games that come out, but it's not it's not popping like during the summer and into the holidays. What Sony strategically did was they said, we're going to come right in the middle of, of, of the quiet period, drop this bomb on you. You know, we're going to drop the mic and walk off. And that's what they did. They dropped it. They dropped it enough to get people talking, enough to get people interested. And, you know, they, they may come at e, they may come at E3 and go, here's what it looks like. Or they may come at E3 and say, here's what the price is. Huh? There you go. Yeah, I'm not. From a from a business standpoint, for 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 those that complained about not seeing the console, not seeing the price, it's like, listen, it's a long way till November. It's a long way, and I'd rather I'd rather be I'd rather have have my attention kept on the system by releasing information in segments then blowing my load yeah. completely in a two-hour conference because yeah. guess what come june people might forget the entire the entire scenario from february <laughs> yeah and then you know what right when, when june when they uh, come you're gonna have some major major recap videos showing you what was and then a lot of the games are so ugly right now i'm not sure what i'm I didn't hear you. You were cutting out a little bit. Do I play RPGs? 
No, I don't. I don't. I don't game on PC. I, I have. I have a, a very very twisted logic with the PC, and that's that. My computer, I built it, I use it, and it's a tool to make me money. If I want to play games, I play. I play them on the console. Don't get me wrong. I'll indulge on the occasional PC game, but I just feel that the the the, the PC market for me is so far ahead that I just I just don't got the dough for it. I'd rather build a computer to make me money, you know, to do the show or to build content or to 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 stream video or whatever. But PC gaming for me, it's like, look, I just want to pick up a controller. I don't want to worry about no mouse. I don't want to worry about no damn keyboard. Just a controller and and, and leave me the hell alone. <laughs> Seeing, seeing, well, that's what I was about to say. Seeing, seeing Diablo three, and I was talking about this with with Slick, who I know you spoke with at length before coming on. It's Diablo to me was Sony's way of of of, of firing a shot at the PC industry and letting them know, like, listen, we're you know the hardware's caught up, we can make this happen. And and what I said, and and this is something that you know some people are going to agree with, is that. Sony with Diablo, it's not just about porting Diablo and putting it on the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 3. It's a it's a testing period to see if they can they can put, you know, they already started to do it with um with DC Universe where we can get something like World yeah. of Warcraft running on a PlayStation 4 and if it can happen. Yeah. We're, we're 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 there and I think that Diablo is going to be the testing ground much like DC yeah. Universe was the testing ground for MMO. Yep, and you want to know what, and you got to understand this, the reason why Speedbox is so called DC is because they want to have that mainstream success and console that was with the PC architecture. So the CPS4, you what it's, what it's doing, it's like, I mean, I, I don't even see a Speedbox being as successful as you go to the movie, as one, because the schools that Sony is bringing 
you can't be without drive club. Drive club? The way that shit Oh my god. Well, no, Drive Club Drive Club looked amazing. The the the, the graphical capabilities that shit looked like, <laughs> like no. That looked like I walked outside and got in my car. That <laughs> that shit. I'm like and this is all real time this is this is the, these are the games. For Drive Club to be lost time looking like that, I don't want to see PS4 in the next two years. I don't want to see it. Like I just it doesn't make any sense. Well, switching gears a little bit with regards to that, if you are in Microsoft's shoes right now, oh, wow. <laughs> if you if you are Microsoft, yeah, if you were Microsoft's shoes right now, and and you, and you were you were somebody that had input with regards to the 360, how would you approach combating what you've seen thus far? Because remember. Sony hasn't un- Sony hasn't given up their whole hand. They only showed you the controller and the game. So Microsoft can still kind of catch up. But one of the things that that Slick and I were discussing yesterday is the fact that if Sony, if Microsoft doesn't start putting their games on either Blu-rays or higher capacity discs, they're really shooting themselves in the foot off the bat. That's true. I'll tell you. I think in order to make the embedded fun, I would I would do I would make a, a special Halo Five trailer. This is a trailer for another game since eight. Or, you know, I would just do like a special trailer showing what it would look like on a 360. If people would say that, oh, this is what Halo would look like. You know what I'm saying? Right. I would do something like that as a time just to show what Halo could look like. Just just as to, to um, kind of fighting chance. That's one. Two, I would go really exclusive. Like, their exclusive has to stand out and really truly represent the console. The reason why is because now that Sony showed it, a little bit of their hand, they took their wild factor. So, like, how Capcom showed it off deep down, they can't. I don't want to see deep down for three minutes. Even if it's in a fundamental system, I won't see it because I've already seen it already. So they kind of strategically showcase some third party games that Sony is not going to be demonstrating on their stage. That's one. It has to be exclusive to the, to the Xbox. Supposed to be different how Disney is going to have some exclusive stuff on the PlayStation. You got to go that route. Um, functionality, you got to show why. Xbox Live is going to be worth paying for. Because if PlayStation, uh, if PlayStation, uh, what they show more than their capabilities, the moment they got called Game Chat and all these things that Xbox Live had that they were complaining about in PS3 days, once the whole advantages are gone, and Sony can have the same, Xbox can have the same thing that Sony has, and that even pay for it. Right. It might not be as successful. Because the people will be like, well, I get the same shit that you got for free. And most of the games I play is all PlayStation games anyway. So I don't want to mess with a of Call of Duty or Battlefield. You can keep that anyway. You see what I'm saying? So what's going to be the deciding factor? And then another thing is they have to show something that 
I agree. Um, they had uh, exclusive advantage in terms of 
having a large variety of exclusives, higher quality exclusives in terms of graphic capability, and more exclusives in terms of AAA exclusives that you have that advantage. That advantage is still going to be there. Right. So, that's an advantage that you can make that is not need to tackle, but most likely won't be able to tackle because the fact that Sony always had that lead like that, you can't play catch up in a situation like that. You know what I'm saying? Because you guys only have a, like, if Microsoft was doing that exclusive route that hard, they would have been in, in the entire generation. They stuck with Halo, yeah, Forza, Fable, and that really it. It's the last thing we to the game. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we got more exclusives than that, but I'm talking about the real exclusives that we have impact in the industry that, like, when you say Xbox, you say Halo. You say Xbox, you say Gears. You say Xbox, you can say Forza. You know what I'm saying? Right. So PlayStation, you say PlayStation, you say Killzone, you say God of War, you say um, Grand Turismo, you say um, Uncharted. Uh, damn, the uh, Uncharted, uh, uh, Never Last of Us, Happy Rain, and Resistance, and, and, and it's just, just too much shit. It made such a big impact that when you say it, it means something. Like, you have to think of this. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, it's just, it's just hot. The water song. You know what I mean? It's just got. It's all me. You know, it's just, they got so much, you know, that as soon as you say it, there it is. How do you... That's the advantage that... Go ahead. That's the advantage that Sony still has on top of the advantages that they took away from their competition. Well, one of the the things I got to say... Go ahead. Yeah, so, now, the most of the advantage that um, Sony has is Blu-ray. Now, Xbox... um, well, I think they are going to use Blu-ray, but the fact is, what type of Blu-ray they will use, how fast they're going to be, you know what I'm saying? We, we don't know that yet. But the thing is, that's not, it, it won't be, it won't, um, that right there won't be a, an advantage for, it's still going to be an advantage on PlayStation, because if PlayStation can use Blu-ray, that's money that's going on PlayStation, because PlayStation has all the shit on Blu-ray. And, and the fact that, the industry is used to PlayStation um, being a Blu-ray player in terms of everything that Blu-ray is synonymous with Sony. That that um that nostalgia gonna still stay there, which is gonna be more than they for PlayStation, but a good pickup for Xbox. So they are still more than for PlayStation. So so far as three advantages that they didn't have that they regained and two advantages that they always had that they still keep it. So that's five advantages. Another advantage that Xbox has is the entertainment space in terms of, you know, like the Verizon iOS app and you always ask that allow you to watch like live TV and all sorts of stuff and everything like that. So I don't see Sony doing that because that's not really their style. But Netflix is the top. Netflix on PlayStation is the highest use Netflix. Yep, I use it on the Netflix. PlayStation. Yeah, and Netflix is the biggest thing. So, if Netflix is the biggest thing that people are using to watch movies, and Hulu is the biggest thing that they watch and use to watch TV shows or whatever, and that means PlayStation got both of those, and if Netflix is being watched the most on 
to say with regards to that I think that Sony's going beyond just being an entertainment center I think that one of the things I applauded them for doing is going back to the root of it which is the games you know it's great that you can watch Netflix it's great that I can listen to music on it but at the end of the day I'm buying the system to play games and that's something that I kind of felt over the last I'd like to say three years has been swept under the rug and by both companies because they're like oh you could watch MLB TV. Oh, you could watch Netflix. Oh, you could watch the NBA. Oh, you could watch cable. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. But I just want to play games. Yeah. That's, that's, that's. Yeah, I, I got you. I got you 100%, son. 100%. And I'm telling you, that's, that's why, that's why I'm, I'm scared, man. It's good. I'm telling you, because PlayStation, their approach to this generation is so night and day with the PS3. It is night and day in a positive light. And when developers are excited about this shit, you know, like, you know they're going to make some crazy shit for your people. No, I... So, I, I'm going to tell you one thing, though. The, like, the next Xbox, it's going to have, like, seriously, if they don't got eight gigs, like, I don't know. So, like, they got to be able to match that RAM. If they don't match that RAM, they will it will be a problem. I agree. I think I think you know because to my knowledge, two gigs of RAM is supposed to be used for the OS. Yep. And ah, it's supposed to be allocated for the game system. If that's the case, and Sony got eight gigs unified that can be used for everything, that's going to pose an issue when third party stuff start happening. Especially the fact that PlayStation coming out first, that means that third parties are going to be touching the PlayStation first before the Xbox. That means that. If Xbox ain't up to par power-wise, you're really going to see a difference. You're really going to see a difference, and the difference is going to be in favor of PlayStation this year. I mean, this generation. And if that happens, then multi-platform sales, when it comes to games, is going to be all Sony more. Sony's online structure seems to be a lot better. Every system is going to come with a headset. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Yo, it's just, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, take sides here. I'm just looking at the situation and everything that I'm saying right now, I'm so surprised that a lot of these other journalists ain't talking about it from this standpoint, and they're just complaining about getting feedback. Shit, shit the hell up. That's what he needs for me, ass. I'm gonna hit the shit over me. How the hell you gonna hold that? No, I. One of the things I would personally, you know, and 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 I don't want anybody to think that I'm coming in there and I'm trying to get at Sony because I. I want Sony to succeed because I use a lot of Sony's products. Almost all the photos and stuff we use, I use Sony's cameras. I've I've used Sony's cameras. You know, I've I've been using them, their SLT cameras for a while, and I want them to succeed in the gaming space more so because they're looking to merge so many different facets of gaming. They're trying to make it more about social. They're trying to make it that you can 
go just beyond enjoying the games by yourself. And they're, they're even though they're they're using you know what what Xbox Live was known for, Sony's trying to spin it in such a way that it adds to the enjoyment of the game overall. How many times you remember this from back in the day? And and Slick mentioned it as well. You you'd be playing a game, your boy would come over, and be like, damn, I can't beat this board. Can you pass it for me? And you do them the solid, yeah. you beat the game. Sony allows you to do that without even getting up out of your couch. Like, hey man, you know, I see you're online. Yo, did you beat this game? Can you pass this board for me? Yep. wanted to, to ask your, your opinion on it is what happens with and and I've been hearing mixed reviews about it obviously we know that there's going to be some form of streaming backwards compatibility with PS1 PS2 and PS3 yeah. games but what's going to happen with you know your PlayStation Plus purchases and things like that because as of right now for all signs are pointing to you know that stuff not being lost in limbo but think about it are you going to have to keep your PS3 to enjoy all that stuff if you can't transition it to PS4? Well, the lot of her is everything that, that uh, you bought from the store and it's all digital, it's not going to matter. Uh, anything that's an uh, actual physical gift, it will matter because of the technology that makes it real life. So if, if you got something that's already on store and digital, then, um, then as long as you got a PlayStation Plus membership, I'm very excited for this generation because I think not even just from Sony, but just for gaming as a whole, it's we're going to see better technologies and and better integration across the board. It's going to be a, a unity between your phone, your tablet, your console, your entertainment center. It's all going to be seamless. You're going to be able to, you know, download your game on your PS4, take it with you on your Vita, maybe watch a movie on your phone. It's 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 really an amazing amazing time. For, for gamers and one thing that that you know one thing that you say which which holds true it's like instead of just beating it up completely don't get me wrong there's certain things like I said I'm not 
I'm a little hesitant about, I'm not a fan of, but in terms of just being a gamer and a techie and a geek, dude, I'm I'm fucking pumped. <laughs> everything up of course you know first off I like like I said congrats on the ECA gig um, the EGM uh, relationship now super pumped for Thank all that you, you know I think I think you know you you and, and I've told you this off air you know you grind hard you work hard and and the success is gonna find you so you know I got to commend you on that and to, to those that want to know how they got there you know how, how to get to where you got work hard or do like I do and be outside of the fish tank looking in and occasionally stick your hand in the water. <laughs> <laughs> there no you go. Doubt, well, um, J- J- where, where can people catch up with you, find you, etc.? Alright, well you can find me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash hiphopgamer. Uh, please uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm posting 90,000 followers and trying to hit that mark. So let's get it. Um... I'm also I also have my company on Twitter with Twitter.com slash Gamer Inc. So make sure you follow them because we just starting out. We're not even at 100 followers yet on that, so we got to pick that up. Um, same thing on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hip Hop Gamer Show. You can, uh, that's my fan page, and also Facebook.com slash Hip Hop Gamer Inc. That's the, that's the corporate page. Um, Hip Hop Gamer Inc.com finally launched today. Y'all can go there and check out all the new stuff. I'm going to be posting up a lot of things. Um, and I still got HipHopGamerShow.com, which leads to the EGM partnership page that I have with them. So you'll find me a lot of places, man. I'm everywhere. And if you can't find me, just Google me, HipHopGamer. Trust me, something to come up. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me there. So, you know, just hit me up anytime, man. It's, it's, I'm a gamer, man. If you're a gamer, I'm a gamer. Get your hands up. I like you. I like your, I like your, I gotta, I like your office, by the way. Nice work. <laughs> oh, wait, say it again. I said I like the way, the way you got your office laid out. Looks good, man. Oh, oh thank you very much, man. Yeah, the office is crazy. Uh, I got a lot of people coming through for interviews now. Uh, I'm gonna have like a lot of companies coming through, bringing their games over to do demonstrations live in the office. Like it's, I got, I got my own office, man. Like you know what I'm saying? It's like from a, from a bedroom with a black sheet hanging up behind me with a place with your eye camera to have my own corporate office in Manhattan. Dog. No, I saw, I man. I saw. Shit, I man. see you. I saw you with uh with Uriah. Uriah, Uriah's a good dude. I, you know, yeah, I told Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's my boy. Yeah, so that's crazy, man. So hopefully we can have you come down to the office, man. What's up? Yeah, let me know when you want to do it, man, and we'll set something up. I definitely, man. It'd be good to, you know, interview you and talk about experience and what you're doing, so... That'd be great, man. So, on that note, man, I want to talk to everybody, you know, fans. Um, you know, I just think you guys don't listen to the channel. You know, you know, I think you just told me, don't give it to us, man. That's it. Nah, I, I agree, yeah. dude. I'm loo
I will uh I'll I will catch up with you soon. All right, man. Take care of yourself. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the hardest working guys in the industry, hip hop enter, uh, hip hop gamer, of course, uh, entertainment mogul at this point. I get, I like I said, I I give the guy a lot of credit for all his accomplishments. And again, I make no qualms about it. The way the way hip hop gamer goes about work in the industry, it, it's not for everybody. It's not, but you know what? It, it it's what makes him stand out in a sea of regular guys. And it's true. I know I know a lot of people in the industry and they you know, they they go and they promote themselves in in ways that it's very disingenuous, very cookie cutter, but there there's very few guys that are that that are 100% on point. And whether you love the guy or hate the guy, I respect, you know, I me personally, I respect his work ethic. I I respect where he came from, the message that what motivates him, you know, his 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 relationship with with his grandmother a motivating factor for him to to push himself to be to be better to 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 be an asset to the community and and again you're always going to have your detractors but you know what if you don't have detractors then you're clearly doing something wrong and again I, and and I reiterate this constantly I am you know me personally not a journalist I don't I don't I don't like wearing that moniker because it's it's something that that breeds expectations that if I come on the show and call somebody a fucking scumbag piece of shit. It, it it's gonna discredit that title. So I like I like uh, calling myself an opinionated observer, or you know outside of the fishbowl looking in, occasionally sticking my hand in the tank. Because I in doing that I don't owe myself to anybody. See, in 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 his case he did the right thing. He's he's created his own entity, his own brand. He's he's freed from the confines of of having to answer to anybody. The problem with 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 some of these other guys, and especially those that 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 speak negatively, it's just the fact that there's more to it than talking about games and saying this game sucks or or getting freebies or or going to parties. Let let me explain something to those of you on the outside that you know that that read reviews that go to websites and stuff. This is a very 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 difficult job and especially when 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 it's not your full-time job and i know guys like you know and i'm gonna drop a couple of names some you may know some you may not um you know uriah uh, danny from royal flush magazine uh the guys at gamer fit nation uh cole uh coleman michael manna from the t4 show andrew zarian these guys they go out there they deliver content to, to the masses but there's so much more going on behind the scenes these are guys that you know my, even myself included and slick and and my fiance and everybody we we make sacrifices to deliver this content because we love what we do and again i yeah i get mad at the industry for the shit they pull yeah i get mad that some of these guys they 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 they, they create a wordpress theme that that they buy for five bucks and all of a sudden they they go out there and and they feel that they're they're entitled to something. You're not entitled to anything. I've been doing we've been doing MTR since 2006, and still every day I stay humble with what I do, because I'm not where I need to be, professionally or personally when it comes to my brand. 
It's always it's always hard work, sleepless nights, personal sacrifices, etc., etc. Taking a lot of shit. If you don't take a lot of shit for your brand, and you don't and you don't live and breathe for it, nobody's gonna care about it as much as you. Do you honestly think that all the guys that that know hip hop gamer personally give a fuck about what he does? No, because it's not their brand. They only care about what the guy can do for them. Me personally, you know, I know the guy. I've never asked the guy for nothing. He's never asked me for anything. And that's the way it should be. We respect each other's body of work and we acknowledge our triumphs and, 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 and you know, and our successes. We do that. That's how it should be. And, and yeah, you know, there's guys out there who I'm, who I'm not, I'm not going to put on blast that, like I said, they shake your hand while they hold the shiv and as they shake your hand they they gently stick the shiv in and, and then you know they expect you to to bend over backwards for them it, it, it's it's a terrible terrible industry and just to, to close out the interview i just got to say and and this is for whether you have a podcast whether you have a blog whatever don't get mad at other successes work harder to be better that's it don't get pissed off that you that this guy has this and this other guy has that. Work harder. Separate yourself from the other guy. If all you do is open up a press release, hit copy, paste it, and put up new content, and then expect companies to bend over backwards and give you stuff, then you're then you have a problem. You have a, a significant problem, and it's deeper than content. It's an expectation. It's a false sense of entitlement that it just doesn't work. If you don't bleed for this shit, you're not going to get anywhere. Simple as that. Anyway, I'm going to shift gears and jump back into the MMA segment a little bit. Um, it's 1 o'clock in the morning, Eastern Standard Time here in New York City. So, you know, the live feed for Blog Talk Radio will cut off at 2 a.m. I advise you to head over to the Listen tab on MyTakeRadio.com, click the Mixler player, and you'll be able to use that for the live show also, you can go to Mixler.com forward slash MyTakeRadio, and I have finally figured out how to chime in on the chat in there to, to do the right thing. And, you know, I'll be able to interact with you guys in that chat as well. So with that said, let me just finish up the MMA news for this week. We still got wrestling. We, we still got gaming. There's one hour of, well, now there's 50 minutes of showtime on Blog Talk Radio. Like I said, you can flip over to the Mixler feed and you can listen to the rest of the live show there. Anyway, before we brought Hip Hop Gamer on, I was talking about Rampage and his appearance on the Abe Canan show. And, you know, we covered that. We also discussed Cyborg signing with Invicta and Dana White's thoughts on that. I just wanted to get into some UFC card news that have came out. And also I got to talk about what they're calling Black Wednesday with the UFC releases that happened. So um, going, going into... Uh, some injury news. Rory McDonald, he's out of his fight with Carlos Condit at UFC 158 due to an undisclosed injury that he suffered during training. So this changes the card completely now where Jake Ellenberger is going to meet Nate Marquardt. Originally it was going to be Marquardt and Hendricks. Now um, Marquardt replaces Hendricks and fights Jake Ellenberger. Hendricks gets the bump to fight Carlos Condit. And obviously the main event, GSP, Nick Diaz. Also on that card, Chris Camozzi, Nick Ring, and Colin Fletcher, and Mike Ricci. The prelims, which are going to be on FX, Patrick Cote, Bobby Volker, 
Um, Antonio Calvajo is taking on Darren Elkins, Jordan Mean and Dan Miller, and Darren Kriokshank uh, and John McDessey. Uh, that particular card is going down March 16th in Montreal. I'm really looking forward to that card. Obviously, GSP Nick Diaz, Carlos Condit, and Hendricks is going to be a war. And I think Ellenberger and Marquardt has the makings of Fight of the Night. In some UFC 160 news, it was announced that Donald Cerrone and KJ Nunes will be meeting at UFC 160. I'm looking forward to that because that's going to be an awesome, awesome slugfest between two very talented strikers. I'm a big fan of Donald Cerrone. I think he's he's a guy that just needs uh, one or two wins to get in title contention, and I think KJ Nunes is looking to play the role of spoiler. With regards to that, that's going down in the May 25th card, headlined by Cain Velasquez, Antonio Silva, also announced... Ryan Bader and Glover Teixeira will be taking place at that card. So that card is 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 really stacked. May 25th, like I said, Kane, Antonio Silva for the heavyweight title, Junior Dos Santos and Overeem, co-main event, Cerrone and Nunes, Bader and Teixeira, TJ Grant and Gray Maynard, Amir Sadala back in the octagon, taking on Stefan Thompson and Khabib Nur... Wow, I'm going to mess up this guy's name. Khabib Nurmagomedov is taking on April Trujillo. Abel Trujillo, which is also going to be an awesome fight. Like I said, May 25th, mark that down on your calendars. Now, Bloody Wednesday, as it was called, or Black Wednesday. A lot of releases from the UFC, a lot of people upset. Obviously, with one with one release in particular, which I'll share with you guys in a second, but these were the fighters that got released. Uh, Ulysses Gomez, Josh Grisby, Matanobu Tezuka, CJ Keith, Simeon Thorison, Mike Strumpf, Jorge Santiago, Paul Sass, Terry Etim, Jay Haran, Che Mills, Vladimir Matyshenko, Jacob Christmas Volkman, Mike Russo, Wagner Prado, and the big one, John Fitch. Now, obviously, you know, the John Fitch release, incredibly troublesome, and Dana White actually spoke about that at length, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, as of right now, it seems that they're looking to cut 100 fighters total. So... Any guys that are kind of on the bubble this weekend may also be facing the axe. Now, with regards to John Fitch uh, and, and as to why he was cut, Dana White said John Fitch is super fucking expensive. He'll end up somewhere and he'll come back. This is the sports business and this is the way it happens. It's true. I mean, a lot of people, they, they, they complain about these guys getting cut, but they, they fail to realize you go out on the road, you get a couple of solid wins. You get back in the UFC. That's the way it is. It happens with all these guys. I think Fitch can go out there, especially if he goes to Bellator, especially because Bellator has Viacom money. He can he can definitely get a little dough and and secure himself a nice fight there. And again, it's unfortunate Fitch Fitch was coming into his own, but a lot of people just felt that you know it, it was a it was a matter of time. There were a lot of people on Twitter that said, oh, you know, it's about fucking time, blah blah blah, lay and pray, sprawl and brawl etc etc he's boring wet blanket me personally Fitch was a guy that depending on who he fought I had a love-hate relationship with the guy but like anybody else nobody nobody deserves to lose their job so wherever he lands I'm sure he's gonna do well and like I said I'm sure he'll end up back in the UFC the last bit of news to close things out Tatame reported earlier that they are looking to finalize a fight between Anderson Silva and Chris Weidman sometime in July. Uh, right now, they're looking probably at a, the July 4th weekend card. I'm really looking forward to the, to this particular fight because Chris Weidman's a guy that everybody feels has earned the shot 
with, with, with his victories. Whether he goes in there and puts up a solid showing against Silva or he gets mauled remains to be seen, but I think it's about time Weidman got an opportunity, especially because Anderson Silva right now, he's kind of in flux. You know, is he is he going up to 205? Is GSP coming up to, to you know, 185? There's a lot of unanswered questions, and the guy's got to defend his belt, and not for nothing, Weidman definitely deserves the shot. All right, so that's going to wrap up MMA for this week. Let's get into some wrestling. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! Just a reminder, My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWE Shop Zone. Visit WWEShop.com and enter promo code WWESAVE10. Also, you can use WWEAFF15 and save $15 off an order of $100 or more. WWESAVE10 to save $10 on orders over $70 and to save $15 on orders over $100, WWEAFF15 at WWEShop.com. Dot com. Again, if you need those promo codes, you can always look for that stuff on our Facebook fan page. Check out our WWE shop banners. Helps out MyTakeRadio.com and also obviously saves you a little money on WWE merchandise. So, let's get the ball rolling with the Elimination Chamber, which was surprisingly enjoyable to some degree. A couple of matches that I really you know, love-hate relationship. Uh, Brodus Clay and Tenzai taking on Team Road Scholars in the pre-show match I was really bummed about because you go, you break them up then you put the Road Scholars back together, then you job them out to King Hippo and and White Saki. It's, it's stupid. It is completely fucking stupid to do that because the Road Scholars are an established team, a, guy, a group of guys that honestly should get the belts to reinvigorate your tag team division and you job them out to these two guys that you just paired together look I understand you want to keep Tenzai out there you want to make Brodus relevant but why sacrifice the Rhodes Scholars who essentially can really be the flagship tag team of your brand it it really made no sense to me yeah it was a nice little match for the pre-show and it got people interested but it really just didn't work. The rationale as to why they did that just eludes me. It's it's fucking absurd. Now, on the championship side of things, Del Rio and the Big Show put on a pretty decent match. It's still not a great match, and I only think because the chemistry between them just didn't work, especially when the I felt personally that this feud went a lot longer than it should have. It... it you know, it was pretty paint by numbers with Del Rio retaining. I really thought we may see a cash in from Ziggler. Clearly, that's not the way it goes. I do got to say that Del Rio using the cross arm breaker 
on Big Show is 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 always very interesting to see because the way that that spot works, I've seen a couple of instances where they the camera angle just kills it completely. But again, it's a decent match. Hopefully, we can close the door on this feud, especially with what happened later on in the evening with the SmackDown Elimination Chamber. Antonio Cesaro and The Miz had another competitive match. Cesaro gets the uh, defeated The Miz via disqualification. I think The Miz right now, given what happened with CM Punk, he's kind of in that gray area. I don't think they want to de-push the guy, but I think that he's definitely got himself at least one foot in the doghouse, which is unfortunate. I think that The Miz... In terms of marketability, he's a guy that can go out there, has mainstream appeal, well-spoken. You could throw him on Letterman or Kimmel or any of these other shows, and he can do something. But given that for he starts doing well, and then he just, you know, fate just throws something in, in, in the way, like, you know, dropping CM Punk on his head and nearly paralyzing him, as, as just something that is always unfortunate. As for Cesaro, Cesaro, he, he has a, a solid match with everybody. Um, the Miz is, is starting to get a better understanding of utilizing the figure four, and if that's going to be part of his arsenal going forward, I think he just needs to work on transitioning better into it. I think that's something that, in Del Rio's case with the cross-arm breaker, or Brian's case with the no-lock, is, is something that it really just makes the effectiveness of the move that much better because you don't know where it's coming from. So if he's going to keep using the figure four, I think he needs he just needs to work on a couple of different setups for it. Cesaro, as usual, like I said, continues to deliver impressive performances. I'm sure he's going to be up in the in the main event card at, at late, late 2013, early 2014. Like I said, he's marketable look, multilingual, is is a great uh, ring tactician, knows how to carry a match, uh, tremendous future. Now, Elimination Chamber. Participants, Randy Orton, Jack Swagger, Jericho, Mark Henry, and Team Hell No. I think overall the Chamber was had a couple of really good, solid spots. Um, obviously, I, I, I was kind of torn as to who I wanted to win because... I would have liked to have seen Ziggler and Del Rio get it in there because I think those guys would have put together a pretty badass match. Not for nothing, even Daniel Bryan and Del Rio would have been a tremendous match. But we decided to go with Jack Swagger. He was the winner of the Elimination Chamber. A couple of a couple of things with regards to this. Obviously, Jack Swagger is doing you know the whole America Tea Party you know semi racial undertone gimmick, and obviously having him compete against Del Rio, well, you know, the minority versus the the, the closet racist, uh, really can generate a lot of different um, reactions from people. Obviously, you're going to get uh, the people from the Tea Party complaining about, about the character. You're going to have minorities complaining about, you know, the racial undertones. But I saw the logistics of where they were going with this feud, but Jack Swagger kind of fucked that up, and I'll discuss that later in the segment. But a lot of people are like, oh, man, you know, how did Swagger come back and get a title shot? And I, you know, in terms of just booking and the and the things you can do with that match, and not only that, but just uh, Dutch Mantle as Zeb Coulter speaking for Swagger really brought, can bring the feud to, to a whole other level. Those racial undertones, you know, that, that Tea Party talk, this whole We the People, America, Middle America type stuff, it's really going to succeed 
in getting the WWE a different type of exposure because they're embracing um they're embracing subject matter that falls into a gray area but is relevant to the current climate of today which you know it's a risky gamble but you know giving the ball to swagger was interesting to say the least and I'll share my thoughts on what happened with Jack Swagger later on in the segment. As for the Shield, John Cena, Sheamus, and Ryback, once again, pleasantly surprised by the Shield. The Shield continue to step their game up, and and every match that they're in continue to show tremendous chemistry, excellent dynamics, and just you can start you can start to see the the the, the individual traits of each one of these guys and why combined. They're so effective. You have the excellent mic work of Dean Ambrose. You have the athleticism of Seth Rollins. You have the 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 monster in Roman Reigns, the guy that, that has the, the quote-unquote main event look that Vince McMahon freaking squirts in his pants for, you know, the big jacked-up guy. But the, the big, the, the standout in this match to me was Dean Ambrose because Dean Ambrose, we got to see a little bit more of that crazy, methodical, Terry Funkish style that so many people have talked about in, in NXT and on the independent circuit, and it was good to see that. We also got to see a lot of tremendous athleticism from Seth Rollins, and, and they really just looked at home competing against, you know, three of the top faces in the company. And and it was just it was refreshing to see that they allowed these guys to go out there and really kind of kind of start setting themselves apart individually and honestly if they're if they're going to go with the whole free birds uh dynamic which is pretty much any two of these guys can compete in matches you can have a lot of fun with it because honestly like I said the tag team division is is desperate desperate for a shot in the arm I- imagine Rollins and and Ambrose get the belts from you know from team hell no and those guys, when they defend them, you never know if you're going to get Rollins and Ambrose or Reigns and Ambrose or Reigns and Rollins. It's, it's tremendous, and you can have a lot of fun with that, and you can allow these guys to just really start setting themselves apart. Obviously, being Paul Heyman's hired guns is, is going to be something that eventually it's going to run its course, and they'll find a way to split these guys up, but there were uh, tremendous spots in that match. You know, the spear... Um, you know, Roman Reigns spearing Sheamus through the barrier was an was an awesome spot. Always gets people pumped, and um, you know there there was there was a lot of good stuff. You know, the the rain spear to Ryback with Rollins landing on top to get the three count. I liked it because honestly, Sheamus, Cena, and Ryback did not need the victory in this match. The Shield succeeded in not only capturing the victory but just showing us a little bit more. And I got, I got to agree with, with Coleman in the, in the Mixler chat. Ambrose is definitely on his way to become the number one heel in the company. The mannerisms, the the the, the technique, the way he, he, he handles himself in the ring, those little things that you may not notice right away, but if you watch, in not only in his interactions, but just in his wrestling style. Here's, here's what, something I recommend you guys do. Look up Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose versus Leaki, which was what Roman Reigns was known as in NXT, and you'll see what I'm talking about. The chemistry these three guys had as individuals in NXT, it's gonna it's gonna be a, a brand new ball game when they break these guys up and really give them a chance to shine. I think 
that if Vince McMahon and company were smart, they would take the the shackles off and let these guys go out there, wrestle their style, and and just make themselves household names on their terms. Let's not use the typical WWE punch kick punch kick formula and allow these guys to have individual styles that you're already letting them show in these in these small matches that they've competed in. Now the impromptu match between Kofi Kingston and Dolph Ziggler obviously was filler, but Dolph Ziggler every loss I continue to say it and it, and it, I'm going to say it till I'm blue in the face. He he beat Kofi but these continuous losses are doing nothing for Ziggler. Nothing. On the contrary, all they're doing is watering down his character to the point where, you know, people are just going to be chomping at the bit for him to cash it in because hopefully it'll get him on, on you know, back on target. Honestly, one of the things that bothers me, he gets the win on Kofi, then he goes on Raw or SmackDown or main event, and then he loses. And it's like he loses in a fashion that's that's fairly not clean but it's it, it it definitely is detrimental to his character of being the show off being the best in the company being the elite when you're when he's losing to these guys left and right you're watering down that gimmick you're hurting a guy that has the potential to be the face of your organization within the next few months not only that but as the days fall off the calendar the window of him cashing in that belt is getting that that title opportunity is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. I mean, unless he cashes it in at Mania, because again, you have to cash it in before or or at WrestleMania, depending on who you ask. It it's really not going to mean much when he finally wins the belt because you've watered and and destroyed the character so much. On the Divas Championship side of things, Caitlyn defended against Tamina finally, and it wasn't the the worst match that I've seen. But you can see that the, the, the contrast in styles was extremely apparent. Obviously, they're trying to make Caitlyn kind of a, a, a lighter Beth Phoenix, you know, a, a quote-unquote hybrid diva, as she likes to um, address herself as. And in Tamina's case, I think Tamina just needs a little bit more time in the ring. And honestly, I think she would do tremendous, tremendous uh, work with the women's division if, if you just kind of remove some of the restraints obviously letting her use the superfly splash is a step in the right direction but there's more to it i just feel her character's missing just something something is missing not only that but the divas division is just so light on talent that if we see a match between caitlin and tamina on raw or on smackdown within the next two weeks it's not going to be shocking because there's not much they got what do you got you got layla Rosa, um, what the hell is that chick name? Uh, Aksana, maybe Naomi and Cameron if you want to let them compete. But honestly, you strip all that away, there's you don't have much. I remember a roster that had, you know, Trish Stratus, Lita, Molly Holly, um, Ivory, Sable at, at one point. You know, you had you had ample, you had good talented divas, Jazz. Just, just divas that can go in there and and they all they all look different. They all wrestle differently, you know. And, and then it just fell by the wayside. They fell by the wayside. It was, you know, I remember Nydia from Tough Enough. She was there. Uh, Jackie Gata. Just you could go down the list of of just different divas that have come and gone. And yeah, you had a couple that were suspect, but at least you had enough 
enough talent in there that every match looked a little different. There'd be a little... There, I mean, don't get me wrong. This was during the time when we had, you know, the Gravy Bowl match, the Bra and Panty match, the Pillow Fight match, and, you know, any of the matches that were, that were, gen, that were made to give a 12-year-old kid a chubby existed during that era, but at the same time, you also had such a, a deeper roster of, of female performers that you can kind of mix a little, a little, you know, sexuality with some, with some solid wrestling. I mean, there, there was a lot of great matches between Trish Stratus and Mickey James, uh, Lita and Trish, Ivory, um, Molly Holly, the list goes on. Now it's, like I said, Caitlyn and Tamina, Caitlyn and Oksana, Caitlyn and Layla, you know, Rosa, R- Rosa against, you know, Cameron or Naomi, that you're, you're, the same wash, rinse, and repeat type shit that eventually is just gonna wear wear itself out. Now, obviously, the big one, The Rock, CM Punk, another another really really solid match. Um, the the Spanish announce table once again no sold a rock bottom with CM Punk giving The Rock the rock bottom and the table not breaking. Still a solid spot. I'm sure that shit hurt when The Rock landed, but. It, it was it was a good match. I really liked what they did with with Heyman and, and the build up for it, and just CM Punk continued to bring the best out of the Rock. And and a lot of people say that you know the Rock is a glorified uh, perf- a glorified actor disguised as a wrestler. The Rock can still go. Nobody ever said that the Rock was a was a you know a mat tactician. The the Rock is always going to be an entertainer, but for some reason. Him performing with CM Punk just there was there was energy there. It, it just added a little bit more to the equation, and and not for nothing, you know, CM Punk and The Rock. There's still so much more to that story that you can tell that the loss didn't bother me. Anybody that thought that The Rock was not going into WrestleMania as champion, clearly, clearly you haven't been watching wrestling that long. But like I said, the Elimination Chamber overall was a was a decent pay per view. It had it had its high points and its low points. Was it a sixty dollar pay per view in my opinion? No. It was it a thirty dollar pay per view? Yes. Simple as that. Now moving into the raw side of things, obviously, you know, there we we got the fallout from the from the chamber. Um, nice little exchange between CM Punk and you know, I think I think in in you know in Punk's case. His continued chemistry with John Cena, while it works, I just feel is it's run its course because John Cena doesn't seem to to invest energy in making Punk look good. Now, before anybody says, you know, how the hell is that? Think about it. CM Punk comes out there and he cuts emotional, raw, deep promos. John Cena's like, yeah, you look like a crackhead. Yeah, you suck. Whatever. Same thing with The Rock. But in The Rock's case there's more physicality because CM Punk will be like fuck it I'll just go down there and I'll punch you in the face with John Cena you always you when when CM Punk is talking to him you always see that smug John Cena smirk like you know he's in on the gag and I just feel that it just it just doesn't work with Punk it it makes it makes Punk look weak because Cena doesn't really invest any emotion into their exchanges they don't Mark Henry, for some reason, took it upon himself to kill Sin Cara dead. Take that for what it's worth. Non-title, no DQ match, Cesaro and The Miz. 
Uh, pretty pretty decent uh, pretty decent match again between both of these guys. Miz gets the win with the figure four. Now Del Rio versus Dolph Ziggler was surprisingly good, but again Ziggler loses. And if you're gonna have him cash it in, he should have he should have won due to involvement from Biggie Langston. Something, anything, but just once again that clean victory. Just it just didn't work. In Del Rio's case, you could have teased that. You could have had a little fun with it. Where, you know, Ziggler Ziggler beats Del Rio and says, Hey, listen, I got your number. I can cash in it at any time. And just you can you can add a little bit of fuel to the fire and kind of have Del Rio be on guard because the target is on his back. But they didn't go like they didn't go with that. Instead, they went with Ziggler doing the job, Del Rio maintaining his his, you know, his momentum going to WrestleMania. And and again, the loss didn't hurt Ziggler too much, but it's a loss nonetheless. Uh the the, the natural disasters of 2012 with Brodus Clay and Tenzai took off took on the Goya brothers with Rosa and her terrible Spanish and come on. Seriously? Seriously, guys. The Goya brothers, Rosa taking on Naomi and Brodus and Tenzai. If if you expected anything other than these two fucking guys getting the victory and i just feel i feel bad for 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 my for my two favorite puerto ricans not even because i'm puerto rican and, and there's racial bias but just because these guys have such a such a deep legacy such a uh, such a unique and and an amazing pedigree and they're just jobber fodder for two guys that you threw together because they're both fat and they dance it's stupid it's real stupid that you don't take advantage of that history. Nothing nothing made me happier than hearing JBL acknowledge that in his commentary saying, "Hey, you know, these guys, they, you know, Carlos Colon, the guy's a legend, blah blah blah, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera, and just helping the, these guys get over. Again, you're squashing guys that can really do work in in your tag team division. Squashing them with reckless abandon for another comedy act. That you threw together. Now, Zeb Coulter and Jack Swagger delivered their State of the Union address, and let me tell you right off the bat, generated tremendous heel heat, nuclear, even. It was it was ridiculous. It was it was ex- well executed, and like I said, I liked the the the, the undertones of just you know taking regaining the heart of America. From, from Alberto Del Rio, you know, a man they claim, you know, came to the U.S. to reap the rewards of their motherland. Really, really nice, nice promo work. In other words, they were citing immigrants that come from Mexico that make their money here in America and then leave with, with, with tons of money and live like kings in Mexico. Really, really nice, subtle, deep promo work from, from Zeb Coulter. This guy is succeeding in helping Swagger get over as an effective heel. You can do so much with his character, and it was just a shame that Swagger really put a big, big dent in that push, and I'll talk about that later on in the segment. Nonetheless, Swagger's match with Daniel Bryan, very, very good. Um, you can see the, the the continued improvement in how Swagger gets the ankle lock in there, definitely getting on par with with Kurt Angle. He still has a long way to go, but he's learning to get that lock in effectively and and smoothly. 
without any any sort of cumbersome setup. Nonetheless, um, you know, I was bummed that Brian lost, but in the grand scheme of things, it, it, it's going to just help get Jack Swagger over that much more. So Brad Maddox, for some reason, has a job now with Vicky Guerrero, which, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. As for the six-man tag with, with Jericho, Sheamus, and Ryback against the Shield, it was ridiculous. Rollins' springboard knee to Chris Jericho was sick. Sick. It was it was so crazy because you blinked and it happened. And it was like, holy shit. Like, I had to rewind it to see it. I was like, wow, that was, that was tremendous. Once again, the athleticism of Rollins on display. And you just didn't even see that nice springboard knee. And it was clean. And it looked great the way it... it, it like you can tell it's like oh shit that knee hit Jericho he's out cold it was nice and once again you you keep the shield strong the losses don't hurt these guys it, it's it's great work great work with the shield please continue it Kofi Kingston I don't know who whose cornflakes he pissed in but um Damian Sandow gave him a gave him an ass whooping R-Truth comes back I guess you know we're putting Kofi and R-Truth back together against the Rhodes Scholars. Fuck it. What what else are we going to do at this point? Your tag team division, you were you were moving along, moving along and then you just pulled the plug on it and now you're you're kind of moving along with it. You know, the Rhodes Scholars, they volunteer, they voluntarily separated. Kingston and Truth voluntarily separated. Now all of a sudden we're just going to put them back together magically because we don't have anything else for these fucking guys. Orton and Kane is pretty much every match we've ever seen with the Blandy one himself. Boring snooze fest with a surprise RKO, which it is what it is. As for The Rock, he came out, cut a nice promo, unveiled a brand new belt, which I should have asked Hip Hop Gamer, now that The Rock has a new belt, will he be getting a new belt as well? But that's a question I'll ask in a, uh, later on. Just uh, I'll ask him on Twitter or something, and I'll share it with you guys. Anyway, um... My thoughts on the belt, the belt is nice. I like that you added the custom Brahma Bulls on the side and you can change those and and it, it it's gonna add a nice little level of of you know customization to the belt. It feels weird not seeing a nameplate on it, but think about think about this. CM Punk wins the belt, you could put, you know, the straight edge uh fist on the side of it instead of the bull. John Cena wins, you could put like the you can't see me. Uh, things on the side of it so there's going to be a nice level of customization that will allow people to know that i am the champion and this is my belt it's it's nice it's subtle like i said a lot of people were, were bitching about the lack of nameplate but the the brahma bulls on the side nice little touch and i've seen the belt without the bulls on the side so you can have a lot of fun with that like i said you get a guy like daniel bryan he wins it you can put like the american dragon logo or or something like that just to you know Ryback does it you can do something like a feed me more on the side of it it keeps it like I said it keeps the belt fresh without detracting from the overall appearance of the belt I like it a lot of people felt that it wasn't shiny enough but I think that we're beyond the the blinginess of the title now it's just a matter of the belt looking like a championship like when you looked at John Cena's belt it really just looked like a toy even even when you remove the stupid spinning John Cena, you know, WWE logo or, you know, when Edge made it his and he added the rated R logo to it, 
it just it felt very childish. It felt very bullshit. I like this belt. I like the simplicity of it, but it has the right amount of customization to to make it unique for each guy that holds it. I like it. I also like that, you know, John Cena comes out there and he's getting ready for his, yeah, rock, me and you, one more time for the belt. And CM Punk is like, fuck out of here. And he just cracked uh, John Cena in the back and and he just dumped the belt on the floor and he goes, I want that one. I like that because, you know, it, it showed that it wasn't about the possession of the belt. It's the fact that he wants the belt that signify you know, that, that signifies that he's champion. And I like that. I like that he, he he cracked John Cena and he goes, Take your fucking toy. Take it. Take this take this piece of shit because it's beneath me. And it really just added an extra layer to CM Punk's character because CM Punk is all about giving validation to the championship, being the guy that carries the title in a way that makes the title mean something. And obviously, having that belt look the way it did with a guy like CM Punk, it was stupid. It really was. That belt should have been put to sleep a long time ago. But based on some of the articles I've seen from WWE.com and some of the statements I've seen, you know, that belt was meant to be replaced a while back, and they tried a whole bunch of different designs, which... From what I hear, in the coming weeks, they're going to be releasing those designs and for people to look at and to see what could have been. But honestly, like I said, I like the belt, and I like the simplicity of it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing WWE's original concepts to see what they thought of. Some people said that they wanted it to be like an eagle holding the WWE belt. Some people said, you know, there were, there were rumors that they were going to go with a red strap since it was the belt for Raw and then they were going to go with a blue strap for the world championship for SmackDown. We'll see We'll see what they unveil in the coming weeks, but overall, like I said, I like the belt. I did. On the Impact side of things, and I wanted to get a little bit into TNA Impact, Impact being outside of the Impact Zone, just, it's, 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 so, it's such a treat to watch. Very, very enjoyable. There, there were some very decent matches, um... You know, Chavo Hernandez, Joseph Park, and James Storm took on Rude Aries, Christopher Daniels, and Frankie Kazarian. It was a fun match, uh, very enjoyable. Um, England super into Joseph Park, which was which was weird, but what do you expect? Um, it was good to see Rockstar Spud, who won the British Boot Camp, uh, take on Robbie E. Very, very solid match. Nice coming out party for Rockstar Spud, especially because they... Um, they were still in the UK. The crowd was super into it. Um, Rockstar Spud, small guy, slightly scrawny. People are going to have their their opinions about the guy. I just think that it's good that you're going to get some, some different global talent in there to, to kind of help, uh, you know, just, just connect with your audience. The, the UK audience, like I said, big, big into Robbie E and, and Rockstar Spud, and they really were kind of the unsung heroes of that match uh some really solid spots but i don't, i think we didn't get to see enough of spud to to give honestly in my opinion for me to give a a detailed a, uh, a detailed take on the character as a whole but in terms of crowd reaction and and how he looked out there looked pretty good i think obviously we're gonna go with the uh robbie t stepping away from Robbie E, either to work with Rockstar Spud or going solo. 
or it could have just been something reserved for the UK audience. But nonetheless, there's there's definitely dissension being teased. The ladies took center stage in the third match of the evening. Tara taking on Gail Kim, taking on Miss Tessmacher, taking on Velvet Sky in a four-way elimination match for the TNA Knockouts title. Very, very impressive match between all the women involved. Velvet Sky gets the belt. Your new Knockouts champion. It was, it was, it was good. It was. I think Velvet Sky is a, 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 a knockout that needs to be in the ring consistently because I think that the more she wrestles the better she gets. Those long breaks between her being on TV and stepping away from the organization, I think it kind of set her character back a little bit. I think there's potential for Velvet Sky to become TNA's Trish Stratus. The, you know, guys love her. You know, she comes out with her entrance, you know, showing the ass. Guys are into that. Taz, of course, puts it over the top. But regardless of that, I think that if she consistently wrestles every week on television and works with really good opponents... She, like I said, she can become the Trish Stratus that that company needs, that face that the company can market. Tara is always going to be a fantastic worker, regardless of who she's in there with. Miss Tessmacher is developing. She's another knockout that needs more ring time with, with real A-class opponents, and Gail Kim is always solid. Like I said, TNA is going to exploit the sex appeal of Velvet Sky. They're going to come out there and, you know, she's your knockouts champion, so you could definitely have fun with that. And like I said, it puts a, a new face out there, but, and and this this kind of validates what, what Cole, Cole said in the chat, that, you know, they have the best women, the, the best women's division going. And it's true, I think, besides Shimmer, uh, TNA definitely has tremendous talent that, that outweighs WWE, WWE's Divas division immensely but like I said you gotta keep quality opponents in there especially for someone like Velvet Sky to continuously uh, get over so that's where that is Samoa Joe took on Garrett Bischoff in a fucking snooze fest because Garrett Bischoff is shit he he definitely works as a heel but his ring work is garbage complete garbage so Rob Van Dam and Kenny King was very, very enjoyable. I really like the chemistry between both of these guys. Rob Van Dam at 40 years old continues to go out there and with the right opponents just deliver awesome matches. I like Kenny King. He's a guy that if you keep him around long enough to think Kenny King was on tough enough, look that up. And how far he's come from his work in Ring of Honor to working with, with, with one of the elites like Rob Van Dam, it looked really good. A lot of great athleticism, and I'm sure they're grooming King for an X-Division title run very soon. But I honestly, I think um, Van Dam at this point should really continue to perform in the X-Division because those guys, just they bring the best out of him. And, you know, Kenny King was, was definitely in that list. So, you know, th- this Aces and Eights shit, it's just, it's just fucking terrible. It really is terrible from start to finish I'm just tired of it because you know it was Sting and Bully Ray taking on Devon Doc and Mr. Anderson it was it was so such boring shit the only thing I gotta say is Aces and Eights got the pinfall but it was it was complete shit it's like either either unveil the leader 
or or start dismantling that 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 stupid ass stable sons of anarchy bullshit because it's really really run its course it has and like i said all the guys that you unveil are with the exception of anderson and maybe west briscoe the rest of those guys are bullshit bullshit devon really i'm telling you if the leader turns out to be eric bischoff or if it turns out to be like jarrett it's gonna suck it's really gonna suck so please, when, when, when you guys finally unmask the leader, let it be someone of note that's going to make an impact and not, not you know, un- unless they turn around and they're like, the leader is Bully Ray, which would be ridiculous and nobody would expect, but it, it, it's way too much to ask. But who knows? We'll see what happens. Anyway, let's get into the rest of the wrestling news. <laughs> Colm says that it's Jarrett. We we'll see if it's Jarrett, it's it's just gonna be so so uneventful. Anyway, on the other side of the wrestling uh, of the on the wrestling news front is obviously the uh, the big thing with John Cena allegedly having a sexual relationship with porn star Kendra Lust. Blah blah blah. Obviously this 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 news story picked up a lot of steam because of Kendra Lust allegedly. Um, you know, carrying on this relationship with Cena while he was married. Anyway, she posted a statement, and she puts, I want to clear the air about my involvement with WWE superstar John Cena. Although I'm a huge fan of John Cena and his great moves in the ring, he has never used them on me personally. I've been a fan of wrestling since I was a kid, but the closest I've ever been to John Cena was in the audience at Monday Night Raw. This is just an internet rumor with no merit. I wish him the best of luck and do not wish to cause any conflict in his marriage. Now, you know, she's, she, she posted a couple of pictures, nice little scantily clad photos of her with the belt. Whatever. You know, it's John Cena. He makes a fuckload more money than I do. If he wants to go and, and dip his wick in, in you know, in, in some porn star's box, then, then good for him. Fuck it. You know, let, let him. Obviously, if he did it while he was married, he's going to pay the price. But seriously, who gives a shit? On, on some real days of our lives shit, who cares? You you see all these guys, they're like, yeah, man, you know, John Cena, he fucked up. And, and it's like, look, man, unless you walk around holding John Cena's unit when he takes a leak, if you're holding his dick for him when he takes a leak, you shouldn't care who he sticks it in. I don't give a shit. Clearly, it hasn't improved his wrestling. You know? Honestly, with all the great work he does with Make-A-Wish and, and the kids and, and all the tremendous charity work that he's done, who cares? If he had sex with some chick while he was married, that's between him, the chick, his checkbook, and his wife. That's it. Who cares? It's not like he's champion. It's not like he's walking around promoting family values. It doesn't matter. We're all adults here. But of course, you know, people, oh, you know, in the eyes of, of, of the kids, the kids don't care. They don't care. He'll still keep selling t-shirts. He'll still be in main events. It doesn't matter. Whether it's true or not true, it is really a non-factor. If he chose to, to, to sleep with that chick, congrats. Good for you. Simple as that. Switching gears into the in on the injury front, got to give you some updates. Evan Bourne seems to be making 
some strides in his recovery. He posted on Twitter, another great hard week of therapy and training. My foot feels good after some basic in-ring work. Gonna step it up next week. I'm really hoping that Bourne comes back and hopefully this this little stretch of bad luck is behind him because he's he's exciting to watch. Kids love him. And, you know, hopefully he's he's learned his lesson with the weed and all the other stuff. And he can come out there and really make a mark for himself. Like I said, he has a, a beautiful finisher. Kids love him. He, he can sell merchandise. And honestly, I think his work with Kofi Kingston at that time was probably the best work that he was doing, especially from a tag team standpoint. So I'm looking forward to him coming back. As for Christian, he is medically cleared to return to the ring. I'm sure that he can come back within the next couple of weeks. But um, if he if you don't see him within the next two weeks, maybe they're going to use his return for after WrestleMania. It, it remains to be seen, but he is cleared to return. So I wanted to talk about this bit of news I read on the Wrestling Observer and WrestleZone about WWE's investment in tout. What they were saying is that WWE invested $5 million into tout. That gives WWE about a 5.2% stake in the company. Obviously, in 2012, tout was pushed heavily. But, unfortunately, the service hasn't taken off the way WWE hoped. And if you've noticed, they barely mention it on WWE programming anymore. On the contrary, now, it's all about the WWE app. So there you have it. Seems that the 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 marriage between WWE and Tout is not as awesome as it's cracked up to be. Before I continue, I wanted to let you guys know it is now 1:57 in the morning here in New York City. The live feed on Blog Talk Radio will go off the air at 2 a.m. Eastern Time, but you'll be able to listen to the live show in overtime by heading over to Mixler. M-I-X-L-R dot com forward slash my take radio and I'll be able to chat with you guys there and continue the live show otherwise you can catch the archives of the show via iTunes Stitcher, TuneIn Radio YouTube and of course on mytakeradio.com so a quick reminder the 2am live feed on Blog Talk Radio will be going off air and you can continue listening on Mixler, I'm sure you guys are going to hear the English lady yelling in our ear that we will be going off air so I figured I'd give you guys the heads up anyway shortly after you know the 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 big news regarding the elimination chamber and the outcome of that WWE took the opportunity to announce oh, there's the English lady telling me I have 90 seconds which I'm sure all of you guys heard anyway WWE announced that they will be doing Wrestlemania 30 in New Orleans with the Rock uh, taking center stage, he was on hand and is already committed to working WrestleMania 30. There's a lot of strong rumors uh, going around that The Rock and Brock Lesnar will be the main event at WrestleMania 30. That's one of the reasons why you've seen that they've been kept separate. And I'm sure that that program... All right, 60 seconds. Clearly, the English lady is uh, beating me up. Anyway, Brock, Rock, uh, Brock and Rock at WrestleMania 30 seems to be where all signs are heading. Just a quick reminder, MTR will be going off the air on Blog Talk Radio, but you can continue listening on Mixler, mixler.com forward slash mytakeradio. Otherwise, you can catch the archives on iTunes, later on on Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and of course on mytakeradio.com. 
So I will catch you guys next week on the live feed. The rest of the show will continue on Mixler Live. Last bit of wrestling news to close things out. Obviously, our very own uh, Mr. We the People himself, Jack Swagger, got popped. All right, lady, 10 seconds. Got popped with some weed in his car. Basically, what happened was he was leaving um, a show, the the show uh, house show at uh, SmackDown taping in Mississippi driving erratically got pulled over seems that he was in possession of marijuana and he was also driving under the influence so clearly he was high he was booked with DUI marijuana possession and speeding which are all misdemeanors obviously he was released on his own recognizance and WWE released a statement that said Mr. Swagger is responsible for his own personal actions now obviously everybody's trying to play um legal counsel saying oh you know based on the terms of the wellness policy can be suspended blah 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 look wwe has invested an ample amount of time and energy into swagger's character they got dutch mantle out there nothing is gonna happen to swagger until after wrestlemania if that at most he'll get yelled at and he'll probably do the job to del rio at wrestlemania simple as that look WWE can suspend him, but he is it. He is entitled to legal process, and he's probably going to go out there, get himself a lawyer. Maybe he'll plead it down if it's a first-time offense, and we'll move on from it. You got to remember when it went down the way it went down with Sabu and Rob Van Dam. They didn't do stuff with them right away. They actually ended up just, uh, you know, Rob Van Dam and Sabu ended up paying the price afterwards. Not during that during that instance. It was afterwards that it went down. So, with that said, I don't think Jack Swagger at this point is going to pay the price. I think, on the contrary, he's going to end up paying the price afterwards. Right now, there's too much invested, like I said, into Dutch and into Swagger's character to really shoot themselves in the foot. But who knows? WWE can sometimes go out of their way, especially with, you know, with Bruno San Martino talking about them doing stuff about wellness they may do it just to prove a point, not only to Bruno, but just to the roster. They may say, look, we're going to su- suspend this guy, and that's going to be that. And then Del Rio may get a new opponent. Maybe it'll be Ziggler. Who knows? But right now, wait-and-see approach. And like I said, I doubt they're going to shoot themselves in the foot with this with so close to WrestleMania, but they may need to make a statement to validate themselves to Bruno San Martino. We'll see what happens. All right, that wraps up the wrestling for this week. We are going to go right into video games, so let's get the ball rolling. First up, obviously, we're going to borrow a little bit from the wrestling segment with Take-Two and WWE. Uh, WWE video games will now be rebranded under the 2K series. That means the next WWE game will be titled WWE 2K14, and it will be coming out this fall. So there you have it. 2K officially at the helm of WWE and will be part of the 2K Sports brand. WWE 2K14 will be out this fall. The Amazing Spider-Man, which Slick reviewed on MyTakeRadio.com, will be seeing a renewed experience on the Wii U in a couple of weeks. The Amazing Spider-Man will drop on North American Wii U systems on March 5th. 
European gamers will be getting it March 8th. This edition will include all four DLC packs that the other versions got, including the ability to play as Stan Lee. In addition to all of the DLC and all those little bells and whistles, it will also support the off-TV play of the Wii U gamepad. So there you have it. If you haven't played The Amazing Spider-Man, you can pick it up on the Wii U on March 5th. Speaking of the Wii U, they haven't exactly been doing very well. Uh, Gama Sutra said that Wii U sales fell well under 100,000 in North America. According to the MPD data that was released, the Wii U sold between 45,000 and 59,000 units. If that number is true, that means that the Wii U sold less than the PS3 and 360 ever in a month. So, at, with, with taking that into consideration, the expectations that the console would sell 5.5 million units has been lowered to 4 million units. That's the expectation right now. I think that with, in the Wii U's case, they've reached that that situation where the novelty act has worn off and the only way you're going to successfully move units is with the, the you know the the tried and true good high quality first party titles that's the only way it's going to work the 3DS was in a similar slump and you know the Nintendo started putting out really great 3DS games to the point where nobody even talks about the 3D portion of it and they just talk about the games i think the Wii U is in a similar situation where they're going to need to step their game up to really make an impact. Right now, selling under 100,000 units post-Christmas, definitely not the move. The ultra-successful PC game Hotline Miami will be making its way to the PS3 and Vita. So you'll be able to play that game this spring. Uh, it's being developed by Abstraction Games. Um, of course... The original developer, Donation Games, will be giving guidance. That game has sold over 300,000 units on the PC to date. So there you have it. Hotline Miami will be coming to the PS3 and the Vita. Obviously, Hip Hop Gamer and I spoke at length about the PS4, but if you are just tuning in, I wanted to share some of the specs with you guys. Um, obviously, no price was announced. They didn't show the console, but the system specs are definitely very very powerful um, an x86 CPU an enhanced uh, PC graphic processing unit 8 gigs of unified memory local storage um, of course HD and there's also going to be a secondary chipset for background downloading uploading and also additional plans allowing you to play digital games while they're downloading also you're going to be able to hold and resume games by turning off the power and the game state will be saved so you'll be able to turn on your system, no load screens, and catch up right where you left off. There's also going to be apps for smartphones, tablets, and the Vita to interact with the console. Meanwhile, on the controller front, they got to show us the DualShock 4. And, you know, it has enhanced rumble features, reduced latency, the share button, which is huge. It also has a headphone jack and um, a colored light bar for player ID that also interacts with the camera. So, definitely... 8 gigs of unified memory is going to be tremendous. Hip Hop Gamer shared his thoughts at length. Obviously, a lot of strong hardware coming out. A lot of great games were shown. Like I said, Diablo 3 and a lot of great technology. The Gaikai streaming technology is, is something that's definitely very impressive and if done right, is probably going to revolutionize the way we play games going forward. It's going to add, obviously, cloud technology, spectator, and broadcasting of live gameplay. The ability to pass off game control to someone else over the internet, 
It's also going to have instant upload game of gameplay videos to you know Facebook and Twitter, transfer gameplay from the PS4 to the Vita, much like the Wii U tablet. And there's also potential for the entire Sony library to become available online. But please note, there is no native backwards compatibility. All of these enhancements will be rolled out in phases. So that's one of those things that's, you know, it's it's all nice and, and, and fine and dandy, but it's not something that you're going to get all at once. Just a, a tasty nugget of information you guys can keep track of. Also, they showed off a, a pretty solid number of titles, including Knack, which is a new IP from the creators of Jack and Daxter, Killzone Shadowfall, which looked amazing, Drive Club, which uh, coming from Evolution Studios, those guys created Motorstorm. It's going to be a team-based first-person racing game. Infamous Second Son from Sucker Punch. The Witness, which is a brand new IP. Um, they it showed some really awesome move-based 3D art and music creation tools from Media Molecule. Deep Down, which is the working title for a new IP from Capcom, which looked really good. Um, Final Fantasy was announced, but they're going to be revealing more at E3. Square Enix did show off their new Luminous Engine with uh, with a trailer for a game that they didn't specify what it was going to be. Watch Dogs from Ubisoft was amazing, definitely got my attention. The console version of Diablo 3 from Blizzard obviously was huge because it's going to be available not only for the PS3 but also for the PS4. Blizzard took the opportunity to announce a brand new strategic partnership with Sony. I'm sure... People are going to be chomping at the bit in the hopes that they'll see some, maybe some World of Warcraft. Who knows? We'll see what happens. And Bungie unveiled their new IP, Destiny, and they showed some gameplay footage. Obviously, this is a huge shot, a huge salvo at Microsoft, letting them know, like, hey, we got we got Bungie on board. We're going to put out something really, really beautiful and innovative. Like I said in speaking to Hip Hop Gamer earlier, if you missed the interview, you can catch it later on. Hopefully the audio was as clear as everybody in the chat said it was. Anyway, the the PlayStation 4, for those of you that complained that you didn't see a console, it, it doesn't matter because the console's not out till November. We still got E3, and we got plenty of time until then, and Sony's just going to release it in bits and pieces and little nuggets to keep people interested, to keep people motivated, and above all else, to keep Sony's name out there in the in the eyes and ears of, of the general public. So the, I don't really give a shit that I didn't see a plastic box that may or may not be the final product. Do I care about pricing? Absolutely. Is it going to kill me that I didn't know about pricing right at this very moment? No, I don't care. I don't care. What they showed off was fine. I think that... There's tremendous potential there. Hip Hop Gamers shared a lot of great insight into some of the stuff that you can expect. And overall it was it was a solid it was a solid unveiling on Sony's part. Really, really showcased some amazing technology that is gonna really force Microsoft to step their game up. Hopefully they do. So we can have a very, very competitive uh, new generation of consoles and not just one guy running off and the other guy playing catch up. I definitely would like to see it neck-and-neck neck competitive where, above all else, gamers benefit. Simple as that. The only other thing I got to say with regards to the PS4 is the the games that were shown were tremendous, but given the, the incredible hardware that this system is providing and the ease of development, 
it's only going to get better. This was only a nugget of the technology on display harnessing the power of the system thus far. We've already seen with the PS3 that when you harness the full capabilities of the systems, you see some beautiful visuals and amazing gameplay. God of War 3 is a testament to that. The Uncharted series is a testament to that. Beautiful, lush, environment-rich games that just they capture you not only from, from a visual standpoint, but just they engage you on a standpoint of where the controls make it feel like you're playing a movie and not just playing a game. I, like I said, as a gamer, as a techie, and I'll reiterate what I said before, I'm super, super excited. Are there some things I didn't like? Yes. But again, it's not to the point where I think it's going to be a fucking dud. Is the system going to probably be 500 bucks? Yes. Maybe four, between 4 and $500. It's going to happen. But like anything else, it's going to be a premium piece of hardware, and I'm sure there's going to be those of you that really don't care about backwards compatibility, and you'll sell your PS3 and all the games and start from scratch. Me, personally, I'm keeping my PS3. I still own my PS2, and hell, I play a lot of games on my PS2. One, because it's modded, but two, because there's still a lot of great PS1 games that I like to play occasionally. No, unfortunately, I do not have my PS1. I did sell it and got the PS2, and I play all those games on that system, most of which I share. I'm going to be sharing on the YouTube channel. I captured some Street Fighter EX Plus Alpha, which hopefully I'll have the video rendered and finalized this weekend to share with you guys for our Blast of the Past feature. But that's a story for another day. Anyway, that wraps up this week's gaming news. Let's get into some entertainment news because we still got a lot of ground to cover. And um, I know our Mixler audience is definitely enjoying it. So let's get the ball rolling. I want to start things off with um, a bit of news I read on Latino Review, which is a great film site. Those guys do tremendous work over there, stating that Harrison Ford has signed on to return as Han Solo in Star Wars Episode 7, scheduled for release in 2015. Disney has not yet confirmed the casting of Ford. Harrison Ford right now is 70 years old, was last seen in Cowboys and Aliens, and he's, he's, he's staying out there, but Showbiz 411 uh, elaborate a little bit further on the involvement of Han Solo by stating that Episode 7 will reportedly be set after the events of Return of the Jedi and will focus on the children of Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, and Princess Leia. According to the report, which was shared on Showbiz 411, it was Han, Princess Leia, and Luke Skywalker will be a lot older. Their children will be their new main characters. R2-D2 and C-3PO will be unchanged. But... The three main actors are definitely coming back. So there you go. Carrie Fisher, um, of course, Mark Hamill, and Harrison Ford reprising their roles as obviously older incarnations of their iconic characters. But one thing that hasn't been confirmed, if we're going to get the movie versions of the expanded universe characters like Ben Skywalker, Jason Solo, you know, Jaina Solo, or Anakin Solo, or if they're going to create new characters specific for the film. So very interesting indeed what they're going to do, but I'm curious because the expanded universe characters and the, and the children 
of Luke and and of course of Han and Leia, they have such great stories that it, it would be unfortunate that they don't use those characters because there's there's so much they can do with them. But of course, that's still a long ways off, 2015, and uh, the sooner we get the news, the sooner I will share it with you guys. Also on Latino Review, I found out that Jason Momoa from Conan the Barbarian and, of course, Cal Drogo from Game of Thrones will be cast as Drax the Destroyer in Guardians of the Galaxy. Momoa had tested alongside Isaiah Mustafa, Dave Bautista, and Brian Patrick. From what they've said, Momoa's test was so good that Marvel offered him the part on the spot, and right now the two sides are negotiating. So, it, it, definitely a, a big role for Jason Momoa. I think his work in Conan was really good. I just felt that the Conan movie left a lot to be desired, but I think he'll do well in a Marvel film, and I think Drax the Destroyer is going to be a, a, a an awesome character. <laughs> Josh Coleman put a very, very amusing comment in the Mixler chat. Anyway, Drax the Destroyer, Khal Drogo, Jason Momoa will be playing him if they can negotiate and come to an agreement. So he beat out Batista, Isaiah Mustafa, who you guys know from the Old Spice commercials, and Brian Patrick. I honestly thought Batista was going to get it. He did really well in Man with the Iron Fist, and Batista's a pretty pretty decent actor. He's not terrible, and you know I think, I think a role like that would work for him, but who knows? I think Batista still has plenty to offer Hollywood, whether he's playing a henchman or a bad guy or even as a lead. He's not terrible, but from the stuff I've seen, you know, it's all direct-to-video stuff. He's he's alright. The movie he did with Rob Van Dam, though, was complete shit. Peter Dinklage, who I said I had hoped was going to be Puck in X-Men Days of the Future Past, seems to be playing uh, it's been said and more or less confirmed, he'll be playing Bolivar, Bolivar Trask who was the creator of the Sentinels. So that's what you're going to be expecting. If you want to know a little bit more, obviously Wikipedia is your friend. But the character was introduced in Uncanny X-Men number 14 in 1965 as an inventor and anthropologist who created Sentinels in response to the rise of mutants in society. Trask had two children who were mutants. One was Larry Trask, who was a precognitive and had his power suppressed by Trask, while the other, Tanya, could travel through time. Fox hasn't confirmed the rumor yet, but all signs point to Dinklage playing Bolivar Trask. We shall see if that is true in the coming weeks. So on the box office front, for some reason, Die Hard succeeded in being number one, barely, with a $25 million haul, $33 million total. Number two was Identity Thief at $23.4 million. Safe Haven was number three. Escape from Planet Earth was number four. Warm Bodies was number five. Beautiful Creatures opened to a disappointing six. Side Effects was seven. Silver Linings Playbook was eight. Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters continues to hold on in the number nine slot. And Zero Dark Thirty was number ten. I gotta talk about this bit of movie news because I'm a little I'm a little confused as to why they're doing it. There's been a lot of reports about a brand new Bruce Lee biopic which is going to focus on his fight with um Wong Jack Man in you know the duel he had in 1965 which was shown in Dragon the Blue the Bruce Lee story wow I almost said the Bruce Lee story <laughs> it's 2 a.m. don't judge me anyway the reason the reason I'm a little confused by this is because 
they're they're trying to do it where it's going to have biopic elements but it's also going to be an action movie where you know the film is being written by uh steven revel and christopher wilkinson who did ali and nixon and like i said it's going to follow the fe- the duel between bruce lee and wong jack man but i think that dragon the bruce lee story succeeded in telling a great story and you know there, there's there's what else can you do I mean, if you're going to go in this other direction with Bruce Lee's character, where it's part biopic, part action movie, I don't know how well that's going to be received, because Bruce Lee is, you know, he's an icon, he's he's sacred. For me personally, I think Bruce Lee, the, the Dragon the Bruce Lee story film, to me, had the right amount of, of fantasy and the right amount of, of, of storytelling that kind of made the movie really fun to watch. It wasn't a straight biopic because they had a little fun with it, but the overall consensus on the movie was that it was enjoyable. I love Dragon the Bruce Lee story. The fights were really good. Jason Scott Lee was tremendous as Bruce Lee. Lauren Holly did great work as well. Yeah, you know, him fighting the 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 ghost samurai in the cemetery was a little a little hacky, but the other fights were amazing to say the least. But We'll see what happens. Personally, like I said, I think that they should leave Bruce Lee alone. Dragon the Bruce Lee story did a great job. There's no necessity to retell his story unless you're going to try and do something else that, that hasn't been done. But to to focus on on, the, on his duel with Wong Jack Man and then spin that off into some lame action movie, besides the fact that I'd honestly like to know who they're going to get to play Bruce Lee, just leave it alone, man. Leave it the hell alone. In some small screen news, Deadline reports that Orlando Jones has been cast in the new Supernatural series based on Sleepy Hollow. Right now, a pilot is in work, is is in the works for Fox under the supervision of Len Weissman. Uh, Katia Winter has also been cast for the show, and the series was created by Alex Kurtzman and Bob Orsi. The series is going to follow Ichabod Crane teaming up with a female sheriff in the town of Sleepy Hollow to investigate various mysteries. Obviously, the series will be set in the modern day. Orlando Jones is going to be playing a detective transferred to Sleepy Hollow, and Katia Winter will be playing Ichabod Crane's wife. As of right now, the role of Ichabod Crane has not been cast. <sighs> your your what-the-fuck movie news to close out the tonight's show involves Megan Fox, Michael Bay, and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So... We all know that Michael Bay was working on his crazy vision of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and originally everybody thought it wasn't going to happen, then it was going to happen, now it's now it's back on. Anyway, Megan Fox, Michael Bay announced that Megan Fox has joined the cast of Ninja Turtles, posting on, a, on his official site, TMNT, we are bringing Megan Fox back into the family. I guess she decided after having her kid that, you know, Michael Bay's car needed another wash, but... Whatever the case may be, she is back in the family, and odds are she's probably going to play April O'Neil, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know what Megan Fox has done to her face, but she clearly looks like a porcelain china doll, and she really looks like she has no emotions whatsoever. I don't know what she did, if it was Botox or something, but she just looks completely different than when she did Transformers. Nonetheless... Megan Fox back in the fold with Michael Bay. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is going to happen. Odds are she's going to play April O'Neil. Ugh. That's all I got to say. 
Leave it alone, Michael Bay, with your crazy alien Ninja Turtle concept that you wanted to do. <sighs> I I just know that this film is just gonna suck. Focus focus on Transformers. Finish that, and Pain and Gain, which looks like it's gonna be a fun movie. Leave the turtles alone because you're just gonna make it so weird and so shitty. But yeah, guys. Megan Fox back in the fold with Michael Bay. Odds are probably playing April O'Neil. We shall see as it as this story develops. All right. So that's going to wrap up this week's episode. You've just heard my take radio episode 174 for Thursday, January 21st, 2013. You can hit up our feedback line at 3478150687. That's 3478150MTR. If you have any questions, concerns, you want to send us some hate mail, you think the show sucks, whatever, email me at mtrhost.mytakeradio.com. If you email me telling me the show sucks, I guarantee you I will read your letter on air and probably dismantle you verbally for my own twisted pleasure. Nonetheless, we always welcome the feedback, or if you'd like to be a guest, we welcome that as well. Again, mtrhost.mytakeradio.com. With regards to social media... You can always follow us on Twitter, at MyTakeRadio. Find us on MySpace. Become a fan on our Facebook fan page. Ask us questions on FormSpring. We do answer them on occasion. FormSpring.me forward slash MyTakeRadio. Add us to your circle on Google+. And, of course, if you want the complete MyTakeRadio experience, including all our exclusive content, pick up the official MyTakeRadio app, available for Android and iOS devices. For Android, you can pick it up in the Amazon Marketplace. For iOS devices, of course, good old reliable iTunes. Last but not least, you can always listen to My Take Radio on Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, Zoom Marketplace, TuneIn Radio. You can subscribe to our RSS on MyTakeRadio.com. And last but not least, good old iTunes. If you're getting the show via iTunes, please take a moment to rate the show. We'd really appreciate it. All right. This week, we're going to go out with the always reliable Maniac Agenda and their great song, The Awakening, which is a remix from Halo 4. You can find them on Facebook.com forward slash The Maniac Agenda. You can also visit their website, ManiacMusic.net, or look for The Maniac Agenda on SoundCloud. I definitely want to congratulate those guys because they got their music in the Metal Gear Revengeance soundtrack. So congrats to the crew at The Maniac Agenda. I'm out of here. I'll catch you guys next week. Thanks to Hip Hop Gamer for joining us this evening and giving us another great interview. I'll catch you guys next week for the Big MTR 175, where I hope to be joined by Jason David Frank, mixed martial artist, Guinness World Record holder, and of course, former Green, White, and Red Power Ranger. Anyway, I'm out of here. Peace. That's all, folks.